This is Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, the promo, and in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why you should check out the show. I, the host, Scott Augerman, have a lighthearted conversation with famous celebrities like John Hamm, Allison Williams, Phoebe Bridgers, Bob Odenkirk, just to name a few. Things go a little off the rails when different eccentric characters drop by to be interviewed as well. Each week is a blend of conversations and character work from your favorite comedians as well as some new hilarious voices. Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast. Podcast. Listen every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Baby boys, let's get into her. Let's get it on. Yeah, I love it when you say let's get into her. <laughs> That's my favorite way to start the show where you say you look at the two of We're us not and you say with that yes. then I burped immediately. <laughs> you look at us across the room and you say, Let's get into it. Like, yeah. like, oh, she's just there. Let's get into that spready spread eagle episode. And then I reflexively said, Let's get it on. Let's get it on. Let's just get into her, boys. You need triple P. Honestly, it's really incredible to be here with my friends. We're in Boston, and this story... We're going to get into her. I I would say this story, it really puts the... eh in meth. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the last podcast of the left, everyone. I am Ben Kissel, hanging out with Henry and Marcus. In mm. today's episode, I don't know what's about to go on, but apparently it's about to get wackadoo. Mm-hmm. Is it a cult? Is it just a group of idiots? We'll get into it. Maybe it's both. It's the Children of Thunder. This is the one where, this is like one of those cults where they didn't attract any rocket scientists. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they always say that with Heaven's Gate or Ocean yeah. Radio, I'm like, no, you see, there's some learned people amongst this this crowd of neutered, bowl-cutted weirdos. But no, this one is just, ooh, it's just, it's a, it's, it's a sensual crew only. All right, the Children of Thunder, not to be confused with the Thunder Down Under, which is a fantastic male review in Las Vegas. The Children of Thunder was a Mormon mini-cult near the San Francisco Bay Area, comprised of exactly three people, including the leader. That's all he Needed. A guy named Taylor Heltzer. In the summer of 2000, these cultists murdered five people and dismembered three of them, hmm. dumping the dismembered remains into the California Delta in nine overstuffed duffel bags. And while, yes, we did just cover one of the craftiest predators one known of the to American most disgusting people around. Yes, Randy Kraft. These guys are 
quite the opposite. Yeah. Okay. Um, where they're, instead of their crimes being slow, the under the radar, uh, a tete-a-tete with the police, like, you know, one ultimate villain which versus a bunch of confused lawmen. Sure. These three morons get caught real hard, real fast. <laughs> okay. And, uh, but this is not, we're not even getting a murder this episode. No, we're not. All right. Well, comprised of two brothers named Taylor and Justin Heltzer, along with an easily manipulated young woman named Don Godman, the children of Thunder believe that Taylor Heltzer was not Jesus Christ himself, oh. but rather the man who would usher in the second coming of their Lord and Savior. How uh, humble. He's representative. <laughs> That's so nice. That's so humble of him. Unlike Rock Terrio, who really believes he was a god, he mm-hmm. says, I'm just here. I'm just a messenger. I'm just the gateway. Mm-hmm. And also, it's his lack of commitment that probably shows why they didn't succeed, much unlike Rock Terrio in his own way was in successful, his, wasn't he? In his own way. Well, by following a series of highly convoluted schemes fueled by meth and ecstasy, the Children of Thunder hope to place Taylor at the head of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints by way of extortion, <laughs> kidnapping, and murder. And it's their ambition that makes them American. <laughs> but I will say, right. that's what we were joking about, Marcus and I were joking about over text, Mormons are the closest that Americans get to Canadians. You <laughs> sure, know what I mean? Like the, the most, the most ambition they had though was the idea is that they could flip the more Mormon Church from the outside, and it's actually it's it's apparently very difficult. Yeah. I think it is extremely difficult to overthrow an entire religion. Yes. Yeah. Well, these schemes, which only got more complicated and stupid as the cult progressed, they had. Big signposts for each step, (laughs) but no connective tissue between. Okay. And that, of course, killed each and every plan the Children of Thunder had before it even began. Oh. Uh, As Henry said... It blows up on the runway every time. All yes. right. This is a cult that never got to take flight, which makes this a true crime story and not a cult story. This is, so if <laughs> is you were that right? Because Marcus was debating before the show, is this a cult story or a true crime it's story? It's somewhere between, you know? It's it could between. be considered both, but I do agree with Henry that it's more of a true crime story. A All cult right. needs... Like it just needs some to be aloft for a bit. A cult needs infrastructure. Yeah, well, we have how many times have I said this? Herbal, herbal <laughs> life, and also I think at least five people. You have to be able to play a pickup game of basketball at any moment just to teach the kids how cool your cult is. You need to be able to play tag with the neighborhood of kids with your cult. Absolutely. Well, to that point, the Children of Thunder was not a cult of just three people by design. Rather, Taylor Helter was sort of a wannabe Charles Manson, but. While Manson was Charles Manson didn't even want to be Charles Manson. (laughs) But while Manson was in LA hanging out with the Beach Boys and cutting demos with big time producers, (laughs) Taylor Heltzer was selling ecstasy at lame ass late 90s raves near but not in San Francisco. That's why, like, he gives me a lot of uh, Taylor Heltzer gives me a lot of Paul Bernardo vibes because he is that he is at that level of total corniness, Mm -hmm. douchebagginess. Yeah, absolutely. But again, Paul Bernardo was a an elite predator in his, in his own way. He was somebody that was, was truly dangerous. I really person. thought you were going to say rapper. And then I was like, no, 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 that's vanilla ice. That's yeah. true. No, he, uh, but Taylor Heltzer, I mean, he would cause enough mayhem on his own, but he just was not, he doesn't really have the X factor. So he's the annoying guy at the nineties rave. No one wants to be there. Why is he here? He's got the drugs. That's it. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, this lameness, among many other reasons, is why Taylor Helter just couldn't get his sex and drugs congregation off the ground. Yeah. <laughs> so he he would have just ca- called it that. It might have worked. <laughs> <laughs> he was the, of the same lineage as Casey Anthony's roommate. Yeah. Oh, what yeah. a nightmare. <laughs> See, while Taylor was told repeatedly throughout childhood and adolescence by his mother and his Mormon spiritual leaders that he was destined for greatness on a profit level, he was, in essence, a painfully average human being. That is the ultimate success in Mormonism, though, (laughs) is a total, complete, just soaking in of averageness. No one can even know you. They can't even see you. If you are the greatest of being average, aren't you somewhat amazing? I don't know. Now, he was charismatic, to be sure, but he just didn't have the it factor that's needed to become a successful cult leader. Yeah, that noi noi. What do yeah. you think it is? Is it a big, it's big dick energy. I think well, we could say that. Apparently, he did have a big schlong, so that, oh, he was okay. using it wrong. But yeah. he didn't have the energy. I believe, we'll get into this, I think what makes a true cult leader, like, actually effective is that at some point, they have to believe their own garbage enough, but have a long view. Yes. They have to have a long view. LRH, uh, obviously, he created, I, I was thinking about this last night, yes, he created, well, blah, blah, it's a cult, Scientology cult, yes. Sure. But more, it's a world of IP that houses, it's it's a fantasy, like, role-playing game, it's mm-hmm. a sci-fi universe that LRH created that rules that got inserted into, he had a long view. This guy was really just in it for, he thought that he could flip the Mormon church in, like, two weeks, <laughs> and I don't think <laughs> Not that, gonna happen. No, yeah. no. And of course, it's also Scientology, a psychotic cult that prays upon upon failing actors, which aren't they the most vulnerable of all of us? And, the, so. and the most dangerous. Indeed. <laughs> like, you know, Jim Jones, uh, he truly did try to change Indiana from the inside out. Like he did. He had a long view. Charles, even Charles Manson, I see that's why he is comparison oh, I don't to think Charles, Charles Manson had he, a long view. He did not know. But Charles Manson <laughs> was better at getting pussy. Yeah. And Charles Manson, I think Charles Manson had a longer view than Taylor Heltzer because Charles Manson did have a plan and his plan was achievable. And I think that's the big difference. So that you got to have an achievable plan because remember Charles Manson's whole plan was to get a whole bunch of groovy 60s chicks out into the desert so he could fuck them and have doom buggy races all day long. And he got it. This is <laughs> the difference. The and that's all he needed to do, Marcus. And I feel like that's a lesson yeah. all of you need to understand. Two birds in the ass are worth one outside in the garage. Absolutely. And if you, if you just don't gut and kill people, everything's fine. Yeah. Everything yes. is absolutely yeah. fine. This is the difference when your cult leader is full of acid. Versus when your cult leader is full of meth. True. Not a lot of long-term thinking. No, no. Well, even though Taylor Heltzer did not have organizational skills, what he did have was a sociopathic personality. Hmm. And he had just enough charm to ensnare exactly one ordinary person <laughs> and his socially awkward brother, Justin. Have you ever seen the show The Young Ones? Yeah. He's Neil. Justin is Neil. Like, we'll get into deeper into what Justin's character was like. But yes, it was, he's the sad sack pacifist. Yep. Oh. Now, Taylor and Justin's relationship, I think, could most closely be compared to that of Columbine shooters Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris. To wit, it's highly doubtful that Justin Heltzer would have ever committed a violent act without the influence of his brother. 
Basically, Justin Heltzer was an extraordinarily awkward, super weird goth kid who had an odd obsession with juice and sometimes liked to eat meals on all fours like a dog. Hold on a second. Yeah, Are we wait. talking about aliens? Did you say juice? Juice. 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 Okay. <laughs> and not even OJ. Okay. The, not the man what OJ. type of juice? Like mango or strawberry or lemonade. So he based his personality upon the fructose corn syrup he liked to eat. <laughs> he was too. largely silent. He loved juice. And he, they said that you could not be in a room with him when he ate because yeah. he loved to eat with his entire face. And uh, it is not an exaggeration when they said he used to get on all fours and eat off a plate like a dog. Of yeah. course, we all know Holden McNeely, page seven, round table. Yes. Uh, we've seen disgusting men eat. But yeah. This sounds next level. Oh, it really is. And under the spell of his brother, Taylor Heltzer became a brutal multiple murderer. Talk about that story arc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and before we get into the story, let's acknowledge our sources for today. We've got Unholy Sacrifice by Robert Scott, as well as a highly entertaining episode of Wicked Attraction Ooh. that aired a few years ago on ID Discovery, which is good for facts, even if it plays a little fast and loose with the timeline. Sure. Yeah, I saw some other good documentary on it from England that was pretty good. But, you know, again, that book really fills in all the blanks of just how dull all of these people truly are at their center. Yeah, yes. most true crime stories don't have a full chapter on juice. <laughs> Mango juice. <laughs> Apple juice. Pineapple juice. Dead grape juice. There's a lot of juices. Now, Taylor Heltzer was born in 1970 to two devout Mormons named Jerry and Karma, both average people who worked as an insurance salesman and a housewife. You can't get more average than that. While Taylor was born in Michigan, his family soon relocated to the Bay Area in California, just north of San Francisco. In childhood, Taylor Heltzer could be compared to Jim Jones, and that both Jones and Heltzer could be considered religious and spiritual prodigies, because Taylor could memorize and recite scriptures from the Book of Mormon with ease from a young age. I mean, they do say that recall is the basis sign of intelligence, but I guess sure. it's good. Like, yeah. he, but does he, he understand in, what he's saying? Well, he was invested. As a little kid, as soon as he got into Mormonism, like as soon as he was like doing the reading parts, he really loved it. And I actually can kind of understand as a, a child that was really into the Catholic Church and was impressed by the Catholic Church. Well, there's a lot of fun stories. Well, it's also it, it's the grandeur. It's the the feeling of the presence of the man himself, the screaming flayed God, like all the kind of shit. It's, you it get feels wine, really real. You get robes and you also get a whole series of other things. And that God's are illegal. right there staring at you. And in a place like the Catholic Church or the Mormon Temple, you can feel it because yeah. they build it to be impressive. And, and it, it had an impression on him. And mm -hmm. I do want to point out there's no such thing as an average housewife or insurance salesman. Thank you for what you do. Wow. Sure. Thank okay. you. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> well, in addition, Taylor was bright, charismatic, empathetic, and helpful. Therefore, his magnetism, combined with his passion and understanding of Mormonism, caused both his mother and his local bishop to constantly tell him that he was destined for great things in the church. But again, oh, no. when it's when it's Mormon great things, it means You'll be in charge of the bake sale. Oh. You're going to be in charge of when we all wet ourselves later on today. You will see a couple of secret That's ceremonies. That's not fun. I don't want to be in charge of the dirty whites. <laughs> and it wasn't just them either. Everyone loved Taylor, and they constantly told him he was special. And in this, I think you've got the fatal flaw as to why Taylor failed so hard at being a cult leader. He skipped the steps. Yeah. Oh, you can't skip the steps. Fucking yeah, Malcolm Gladwell's full of shit, but there's something to the idea 
idea that you got to put in the work. You do have to put the time in. Where other infamous cult leaders like Jim Jones, Marshall Applewhite, and Charles Manson had to fight for attention to the point where their need for it was pathological, <laughs> Taylor was heavily indulged and, more importantly, heavily sheltered. Whoa, 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 whoa. This is where we get to dog meets scribe about participation trophies amongst cult leaders and how it's making them weak. <laughs> we can't just give out awards. <laughs> oh, you've raped the most little boy. You've killed the most people. Well, I'd just say you got to fucking earn it yep. if you want to be on top. I Absolutely. Jim Jones is one of the most famous for a reason. Yeah. Of course, infamous. In infamous. I'm not, yeah, because I, you know, like, I'm not going to go with the idea of like best cult leader, like my no. favorite cult leader. No, the leader. best cult leader is the president. Yeah. No, because like, there's series no, of other people the that best are cult in prison. Sure. Is Joseph Smith and L. Ron Hubbard. Those are the you best. You think they're the two best? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Absolutely. Far the most successful. Oh, yeah, dude. Hand in hand. LRH fucking died in his own bed. That's the most <laughs> successful cult leader can <laughs> be. Pat Robertson. Uh, He's got a whole enterprise. Yeah, but he doesn't actually work. He doesn't get people to worship him specifically. Yeah, he's, he's a, a part of the system. Yeah. I've been doing it all wrong. He's a middleman for God. <laughs> oh, you, got, you guys don't have your Pat Robertson crucifix? <laughs> no, I have my Pat Robertson butt plug I've been oh, doing. Yeah, it's incredible. <laughs> it's really good, right? Yeah. Well, Taylor's mother believed that her son was a prophet of God sent to help save the world. The boy could do no wrong. And because karma believed in, in him so deeply, the rest of the family followed suit. There also was a precedent among, amongst the family because we'll get we'll get into it. But and and Mormonism has that like caveat. It has this aside thing being basically like if you dream it, you can be it. Like mm -hmm. anybody can be a prophet within the Mormon world if you can figure out how to time your prophecy correctly. It's mm -hmm. great if you're trying to make a baseball team out of ghosts, but maybe it's not so good when you want to kill five people. <laughs> well, Taylor's brother, Justin, meanwhile, was the exact opposite. Born two years later, looking almost exactly like his older brother, by the way. Oh. But, but dumpier. A little bit. I don't know. You put their mugshot side by side, you can't tell the difference. Yeah. I thought they were identical twins for a little while. Wow. But the other one definitely, Taylor is obviously, it's, that's the problem though. Yeah. If you're kind of handsome and your brother is actually handsome, you look ugly. <laughs> Story of my life. Well, Justin had not a single ounce of Taylor's charisma. In fact, the only thing people seemed to remember about him during his formative years was that he was one of the tallest kids in class. Not even the tallest, just one of the tallest. <laughs> That's so, so sad. That is like, what do you want on your high school yearbook? I'm one of the tallest. I'm one of the tallest. <laughs> I'm one of the tallest. Well, his teacher also, that's the thing too, is like whenever a teacher praises a child for, he's like, you know, he always was in class and he was obedient. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is what we're going to be known for. Mm -hmm. In other words, Justin was a born follower and was perfectly content to live in his brother's shadow. Justin spent his life looking towards Taylor for cues and the two formed the sort of dominant submissive relationship the charismatic sociopaths like Taylor Heltzer so often exploit for their own personal gain. Yeah, but you sure know they're not stepbrothers? <laughs> because uh, I've seen some footage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. You've been watching Stepbrothers too? Have you leaked over to just watching all of it? Yeah, Do you yeah. just watch every form of step family <laughs> sex? I don't watch it. You don't watch it? I don't watch it. You oh, you talk no. about it a lot, Yeah, though. you really do bring it up quite a bit. Yeah, no, you, I don't talk about it that much. You've, you've been talking you, the last month or two, you've talked, you have mentioned a stepmom getting stuck in a dryer once per show. <laughs> well, 
<laughs> and not just on this show, on live shows as well. You've been bringing it up a lot. I actually did. I did misspeak uh, about the girl that was stuck under her bed. Mm-hmm. They were roommates. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Okay. yes. All yes. right. All right. Now that you've looked at the document, <laughs> we've put it upon, amongst peer review. <laughs> yes, I put it on Nexus Lexus and I figured it all out. Well, as far as other influences went concerning Taylor Helzer's upbringing, he and his brother lived for a time with their maternal grandfather, Doyle Sorensen. Showing exactly where his daughter's fundamentalist beliefs came from, Doyle believed that he, like Mormon prophets past, had actually spoken to Jesus in his front yard. Yeah, what did Doyle say to him? (laughs) And what do you believe? Six foot one. Six foot one. Isn't that something? Pretty incredible. Did you see him right there? He was right there. He was standing right there. He brought his own car magazines. (laughs) He just sits right there, and he's just like a normal guy hanging out. Wow. Now, this is beyond just a vision. Doyle went in a full Moroni mode and believed that Jesus Christ had shown up in the flesh. Claimed that he looked out his window, Jesus was out there. Do I just heard about basketball? That's incredible. Yeah, to stand your ground state, so you're going to get off my lawn, Jesus. Thank you so much. He said he just went outside and had an hours long conversation with the man himself. He didn't invite him in. No, just went. Jesus didn't need to come in. He likes to say, I can fucking come in if I want to, bro. <laughs> You're I fucking Jesus. kick down the door and do whatever. Walk through it, dude. I got nailed to a fucking stick, bro. I know, dude. I do whatever the fuck I want. You please, God, do whatever you want. Perhaps inspired by the confidence in which his grandfather talked about his own spiritual experiences, Taylor believed to have begun receiving messages from either God or the devil by the age of 14. He wasn't quite sure which. But you're going to want to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. And since he was told by his mother and his spiritual leaders that he had the gift of revelation, he saw those messages (sighs) as reality. Well, he definitely learned from his grandfather that you can just say it. And you can sell it. Yeah, and if you sell it, because that's really the key. The key is to never back down. Again, that's an American lesson. Just never show crack and the facade. And you can get through a lot of different hurdles in life. Like he and he basically, as a little boy, understood I'm getting positive validation by saying right. random shit. And because you say all mysterious stuff, being like, I don't know if it was God or the devil. You get all of his attention. Mm-hmm. Everybody coming to discern, to look through, decipher your messages. Sir, this is a McDonald's. Did you want the Big Mac meal or not? Well, the, I'm devil, the devil saying nope. fries, but <laughs> yes, God well, is just... saying that stupid fruit cup. Fuck you, God. <laughs> yes, go with the devil so the fries. Yes, please. Okay. <laughs> now, to give you a quick refresher on Mormon revelation, Mormon Mormons believe that God speaks directly to certain members of the church and gives them so-called revelations concerning everything from personal decisions to the direction of the church at large. That's what makes the Mormon church highly adaptable and moving forward into the future mm-hmm. because yeah. they don't, they, they understand it's the judo thing. Use other people's energies, pass them by you. Now, I've absorb. seen the Steven Seagal footage. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this is how they're able to constantly pivot throughout their existence in order to keep keep up with the times. Mm-hmm. That's what has allowed them to continue growing the most successful modern cult in existence. I mean, I don't I'm know sorry, you... Henry, but Mormons are much more successful than Scientologists. Hey, I, don't I don't, Scientology doesn't need the pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, a lot of the people who follow Scientology are currently cracking at their cracking point, but I do love that the Mormon church has allowed the banana hammock 
<laughs> That's allowed now for the magic undies. Oh, isn't that nice? What? They're banana nice. hammock. They know, so they no longer have to do like the boxer briefs. They no, can now keep it tight. They're just cozy and nice. Oh, what? Yes. That's nice. Banana the temple hammock. garments. Oh, so you can make them like sexy now? Ooh. I think they're allowed to now. Is yeah. that inherent? Am I am I doing the thing? Am I applying a quality? Yeah. Can wow. you wear like one of those like Borat swimsuits? You can do whatever you want as long as the all of the men that are around you are aroused by the fact that you can that they can almost see your penis. Mm. Oh, good, mm, good, good, okay. good. Because I've seen some Mormon underwear, and it's actually pretty see-through. It's kind of fun. Well, it's long. You've seen the Mormon underwear in certain documentary films. <laughs> Why would they lie to me? <laughs> well, for an example of a Mormon church pivot, they didn't accept black people as people until the 70s, partly because oh, early Mormon church leader and shit-obsessed weirdo Brigham Young mm. helped legalize slavery in Utah saying that black Ugh. skin was the so-called mark of Cain placed on Cain's descendants by God. It's the same justification a lot of people use to justify slavery. How many people did Brigham Young assault again? Like thousands upon thousands? <sighs> he just, I mean, if you just qualify the way he led the church yes. the straight up the, into the thousands. Horrible mm. person. But in 1978... After white people had just enough time to get a little more comfortable with desegregation, church president Spencer Kimball declared that he'd had a revelation from God that it was finally time to end restrictions on black membership. See, the thing is, I just, I love basketball, and I just see where the tide is going, right? And so I just want to be able to follow my favorite team. I just want to be able to baptize the Utah Jazz. <laughs> it, it's true, because it also shows that there's a savviness there. There is mm -hmm. a, while, yes, oh, yeah. we, we paint the Mormons as a bunch of plain, plain goobers, uh, there is a, there's a thing there where they understand if we want to survive, we have to move. And so we create a rule system that allows us to do that. But what does that do? Is that kind of like in uh, in our so-called democracy, whatever you call our government these days, the fact that you can have people that are truly good at their jobs be a part of the system, and then you can have people like Bo Lauren Boebert that can also just get up in there, and she's just as get valid as there. fucking anybody else. Yeah, it's a uh, republic. Now, the power of revelation could ostensibly be seen as somewhat of a good thing because it allows for progression. Although one could also argue that the biggest reason is it allows for wider recruitment pools after their existing membership gets comfortable with something new. For this example, see the church's ever softening stance on LGBT members. Mm -hmm. The LGBT, I guarantee you, uh, gay people are going to be accepted in the Mormon church within 10 to 15 years. It's just they get good at yeah. basketball. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's all about. Honestly, though, look at the Olympics. Half of them, it's a half of them are the Olympic teams. <laughs> is that a good way? Do I just become Linda? You became your mother, yes. But in the hands of a dangerous psychopath like Taylor Heltzer, the so-called gift of revelation can be wildly perverted into the belief that one's thoughts, no matter how violent or immoral, come from God uh -oh. and are therefore fair game for execution. And whether he believed it or not, he definitely used that validation mm -hmm. for his crimes. Yep. So he acted on it. So that's... It's just as, yeah. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Now, even though Taylor eventually tried starting a sex and drugs cult, 
he was astonished by the amount of drinking, sex, and swearing he encountered when he joined the National Guard at 17 in Wait the year 1987. He yeah. couldn't handle the National Guard. Well, he went and, you know, he heard the cursing and he was like, oh, ginger berries. I can't believe what's happening here. They're saying, they're saying F words and not forward. Whoa. I thought I didn't even know that what they were saying. It rhymes with yuck. Absolutely. But apparently also what they would do is they would stick porn into his gun manual. Actually, that's what they did that to his brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, naked ladies. they put naked ladies in his gun user's manual and they'd be like, Hey, uh, Justin, uh, you want to tell me how I could switch the scope on the, the 348, whatever bullshit? And yeah, sure, no open it, And there would be boobies, and he'd have to cover his eyes going, oh, ginger berries. <laughs> Fix or repair daily. Well, after failing to convince even... What? Ford. 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 Oh. Yeah, yeah. Fix, Fix or repair, repair daily. daily. I'm a Chevy guy. <laughs> I'm a Subaru boy. Okay. You're a Subaru lesbian. <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. Well, after failing to convince even one of his fellow guardsmen that their behavior was ungodly, Taylor ended his service for country and entered service to God, heading to Brazil for his two-year Mormon mission. Oh, Brazil. that is actually a tough place to be with the temptation. Wow. It's That's a hard thing. place to be pious. It's interesting because that was considered an elite get, mm -hmm. right, to go down to Brazil. Yeah. Be a part of like because normally you know they'll send you to fucking Cleveland. You know what Don't I mean? Like I North saw these Dakota, guys. Not one bit of temptation there. No, but the, in Mormonism, so they've seen like Mormons in New York, like just covered in like covered in subway muck. Yeah, like watch them just broken and stuff. Mm -hmm. and be like, got you, bitch. You can't fucking handle the city, bro. You know what I mean? That kind of shit. We're like, but down in Brazil, you went there. You're foreign there, so you're kind of an object of mystery. Sure, yeah. absolutely. In, in Brazil, you know, even back then, it's an emerging market. A lot of fucking people live in Brazil. Well, didn't Jim Jones spend some time there? He did. Okay. He absolutely did. No, that Brazil was kind of what broke Jim Jones, because when he mm. was gone down to Brazil, that's when he started getting super paranoid about people taking over his church back in Indianapolis. And after he came back from, from Brazil, that's when he became like, Jim Jones. I don't know if I would have come back to Indianapolis. I would have just stayed from in Brazil. Brazil. Yeah. yeah. Now, from Taylor's journal entries during those two years in Brazil, you can see that his delusions about the exceptionalism of his existence and his personal relationship with God were slowly but surely getting the better of him. Honestly, I just thought pasties were a type of thing you could eat. Yeah. <laughs> but apparently, they jiggle quite often. <laughs> well, Taylor wrote that he couldn't disobey the slightest whispering of the capital S spirit, which is an important distinction from calling it the spirit. The spirit is somewhat universal. It's reverential. It's detached. It's like how we might refer to the president. The shithead president. <laughs> <laughs> but to just call his connection to God spirit as if it's his close personal friend who whispers directly to him and only to him. Right. Taylor Heltzer was setting himself up as an island of reason in a sea of madness. Well, he's, uh -oh. he's the example of just screaming at the world, the jury is wrong. <laughs> the jury's wrong. Tell the jury they're wrong. Every single time he had an idea. And then he'd go and say, like, hey, this is my idea. And everybody around him would be like, you're wrong. He'd be like, no, you're wrong. Oh, mm -hmm. see, point, counterpoint. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Now, once Taylor arrived in Brazil, his missionary brother found that while Taylor Heltzer was indeed charismatic, mm. his obsession with the Book of Mormon and his spirit became so intense that Taylor began interpreting passages in unconventional ways. Quote, Taylor, quote unconventional. Mm -hmm. Taylor, just go to the beach. <laughs> yeah. Just spend five hours at the beach. Please, God, there's more to this world than the Book of Mormon. Specifically, Taylor Heltzer became obsessed with the titular latter days, the end of everything. Mm. He began to believe that technology would become useless in the last days, and the church leadership would coalesce into groups of warrior prophets who would defend the people and their faith against the armies of Satan. It's They're kind not of going to do very well. It's <laughs> fucking sweet, man. Honestly, I like his version of what would happen. Like, Mormonism has never been so metal as no. it's been inside of the brain of if Taylor I Heltzer. Would, if I was going to take a cult to fight first of all there's only three people in this one so they're gonna lose yeah i do think at its peak jim jones's people probably could have gotten pretty savage there was a lot of old people it was a Were lot there? of old people and a lot of young people yeah, i guess maybe manson eh, proof is in the pudding i mean <laughs> manson they did actually kill him. yeah, yeah. Well, in essence, the world that Taylor Heltzer predicted was a combination of Mad Max, the Book of Revelation, and the Book of Mormon, all set in a sort of Lord of the Rings environment where Satan plays Sauron, spreading evil through the Black Gate from the lands of Mordor. Oh, cool. Well, Taylor, I suppose, takes on kind of a Frodo-type role. I think he saw himself as an Aragorn. And that is true. Come yeah. on. He did view himself as the ultimate warrior priest that would have a substantial amount of wives as well. Mm. That it's also folded in. But, you know, it's a very immature Aragorn, view. Oh, Aragorn only had Arwen. Yeah, and it's whatever. Yeah. <laughs> sure we were going hot, but they couldn't even fuck. <laughs> What do you mean they couldn't? Spirit. What do you they, mean they couldn't fuck? Are they only didn't they only fuck the one time, and the rest they were all like talking through spirits. She'd play a flute or something, and he just not watch the series to the end. You're in the middle of a rewatch, Marcus. <laughs> he's in a rewatch. <laughs> he's in a rewatch. So I mean, yeah, I'm not going to spoil it for no one who's ever seen Lord of the Rings, but it's a 20 year old yeah, they movie. Fuck. Yeah, it's like once. No, it's not once. Whatever. They it could be more. They get married. She becomes his queen. They have sex. <laughs> Spoiler! She, she gives up a She gives up immortality and refuses to go to the shores beyond, so she can live a mortal life with Aragorn. I'm what just going to say this is a bit. It's a bit of a side quest, and it is surprising that they have sex with each other. They're not even related. <laughs> <laughs> Not by marriage or otherwise. But it's, I feel that the obsession with the end of days, because I remember when I was a kid, I was also morbid and I was also into everything horror. Oh, you so were morbid. I, yeah, I know. It's strange. Okay. Um, but I was into all of the end story. Everything that was about the end of the world, I was hyper fascinated with. Yeah. It's a, like... It's an emotionally stunted view of your the supposed Mormonism that you're attached but, to. You know, yeah. you're all we're all going to die, so in a way, the world goes with us, doesn't well, yeah, it? And my time. mother used to let me stay home from school because the world was going to end, so she yeah. would say, it doesn't matter, Benjamin, let's go to Piggly Wiggly. It was a bad decision. Yeah, it, it was, was a great decision. <laughs> <laughs> but in addition to his unorthodox reading of the Book of Mormon, Taylor also came upon the same conclusion that many Mormonism-inspired cult leaders come upon. See, as is evidenced by the concept of revelation, Mormonism is very much a make-em-up religion. Joseph Smith, founder of Mormonism, was by far the most successful religious con man of recent times, even more successful than L. Ron Hubbard. You keep pointing at me. <laughs> I don't, I don't owe him any money. I'm not a part no, of Scientology. You, you avoided all that. And while Joseph Smith died before Mormonism really took off, his successors took Mormonism to the next level through constant reinterpretation. It's a living document. Yeah. 
It truly is. And the only reason why I keep pointing at you is because I kind of see L. Ron Hubbard and Joseph Smith as like the oasis and blur of like <laughs> cult leaders. And like, I'm more of a blur guy because I'm a Joseph Smith guy and you're more of an oasis guy because you're into um, L. Ron Hubbard. Well, I would know. I would flip it, bro, because blur is not even got. He didn't even get to America. What's that, that one? Did. Song two is still played at fucking sports games everywhere. It was a parody of Nirvana. It wasn't even supposed to be that big of it. It happened accidentally to them. That's true, but it's still became a huge hit. What's the name of that one band that had to kill themselves? That one lead singer had to kill himself because he stole that uh, riff from that one more famous band? What? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, oh. Bittersweet yeah, Symphony? Yeah, oh, they do the from verve. The Verve. Yeah, he, yeah, someone else liked The Verve there. You all like The Verve. <laughs> <laughs> like the Verve. I think the guy from the Verve is like the Verve. Yeah, he's dead now. <laughs> but the problem with this make em up nature is that any old Joe can go back to the starting point of Joseph Smith and say that every interpretation of Mormonism after Joseph Smith's death has been wrong. Oh. But as it happens, that old Joe is just the revelation everyone needs to set the church back on the correct path. Okay. And most of the time, this just means going back to polygamy. Yeah, <laughs> nine, nine, it's seriously it's nine times about out of back ten. To polygamy. Yeah, ninety-nine times out of a hundred, <laughs> it's just going back. It's like, yeah, we should just all be having a bunch of wives, and we go live in Mexico. You know, okay. or in a trailer park somewhere. Yeah, it's all about revisionists. And when they mean revisionists, they mean going all the way to the very beginning. Mm -hmm. All right. But every once in a while, a man with a murderous <gasps> rather than a horny mind uh -oh. latches on to this idea and disaster always follows. We've seen this truly within the Mormon of, of any specific group. I think it's interesting that it keeps happening within Mormonism. Yeah. Little tiny little cults break off from the top. Right. And kill everybody. They kill everybody involved. <laughs> they do a bunch of crimes and then they quickly dissolve. The or war somebody like Warren Jeffs. Exactly. They end up being in another whole like level of systemic abuse in yeah. that type the of shit. The worst of the worst. I just watched a documentary on YouTube on Warren Jeffs. I don't even know how I got there. But man, that guy's a demon. Oh, yes. Killing. Now, He's worse than a demon. Yeah, he really is. Now, during Taylor's mission in Brazil, he took his ideas to the mission president, who told him that those ideas were wrong. Your ideas are wrong! <laughs> Excuse me, what was that? So Taylor began reading works by church leaders at a higher level. But when those writings didn't match his ideas either, he decided that either nobody knew what they were talking about, or they were all liars, hiding the truth. Dumpy oh, yeah. true detective. That's like that guy at the with the Punisher mask on. He had a Punisher face mask on and a shirt that says this mask is as useless as Joe Biden. And he was at the desk and it was a flight was delayed and he was screaming, that's because you won't tell us the truth. This and is, we're like, I just we just got to get on this plane. We yeah. just delayed. It's their clouds. I don't know what happened. They said there was something wrong with the fuel gauge. See, the clouds have gotten hard, so uh, we can't fly through them anymore. However, at the same time, Taylor was also a phenomenal missionary. Oh. Despite his unorthodox beliefs, he got results when it came to recruitment, and he was again lauded as a spiritual leader. Well, because wow. the thing about him was, we'll discover, the thing about Taylor is that he had no guile or shame. He really could talk to anybody. Mm -hmm. And he was a, in Brazil, what was considered a very, maybe very interesting, you know, like, let me know if that's incorrect, but the idea of being a, a tall attractive white man outside of like in another country, you're the foreign person now. And it's nice for people to see it. And he really got an experience. The Brazilian people actually seem to really like him. Yeah. And he did set a bunch of records for recruits. Oh, yeah. well, you know, me and Carolina, were talking about this the other night while we were watching 
90 Day Fiance the other way. Oh, uh, my goodness. But oh. it does, actually, it does have some bearing on this because, like, I was kind of like just, it, it's astounding sometimes the status that we have purely by just being American. Sure. And specifically just by being American and white. It and can get you kidnapped for ransom, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not good. But then or, again, it, like, that's about status as well. But again, or at least remember, perceived status. We're not I saying that it. this is from an American perspective. So we don't really fucking know no in idea. terms of how you look at it. I also feel there's just as much people who hate us for the exact same reasons. Of course. But it's also that thing where like if you are a Mormon, you're this little fresh-faced goober, like you probably get, it's it's more disarming mm-hmm. if for somebody like him at the time period, especially to have people react to him so positively. Well, I know during the Bush years and probably the Trump years, whatever it might be, a lot of people would lie and say they're Canadian when they would go overseas. Oh, yeah, I never that. did it. I always okay. say I'm American Fucking and I deal with it. Cowards. Because there was a woman in Australia that actively hated us. Yeah. That's how it is. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. How Absolutely. it is, but you know, you but fucking Australia's deal more with America it. than America. They don't even know it. Yeah, that's true. Wow, that's it part really of being is. an American. You got to fucking deal with it, man. I know. You got to fucking deal with it. Absolutely. When you combined Taylor Heltzer's success as a missionary with his disillusionment with the Mormon Church, what you got was a megalomaniac who believed that his way and therefore his beliefs <gasps> were correct. Because after all, one of the biggest metrics of success in Mormonism. Is recruitment right? He's in it. He, that's the thing is that we talk about with serial killers all the time. It's those little bits of validation. It's the little things that you do that kind of like they give you that feed. And he saw it immediately. Be like, I fucking gotta be right. Yeah, it's just bizarre. They want to recruit, be given their uh, their their theory of heaven. Mormons? It's very finite the amount of people that can get in. I you're thinking no, that. you're thinking of Jehovah's Witnesses. Yeah, are yeah, you but, sure? No, with Mormonism, everyone gets their own planet after they die, and the planets are infinite. Is that right? Yeah. They're endlessly recruiting. Yeah. No, Jehovah's Witnesses, they're the ones that say they only have 144,000 places in heaven. Well, do you want to be one? Do you Prince better be, be one? one. That's all I know. The greatest <laughs> Jehovah's Witness of all time. I'm going to go on and say, I don't think he was. Mm-hmm. I think that he, he should not have been in Jehovah's Witnesses and he should have just lived a nicer life. Mm-hmm. He loved it. He loved it. Right from your grave. A roast as dark as the night. Perfect for fueling the cryptid research and mad ravings required for your podcasting. Don't mind the red eyes. He's just trying to warn you of the bridge. The bridge. Finally, from the caffeine-addled brains of Spring Hill Jack Coffee and last podcast on the left, we bring you Mothman's Red Eye Blend. Yes, delicious Panama beans. Go to lastpodcastmerch.com to order yours today. <laughs> Texas Speed is a sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. It's what people gather around, it's generosity in its simplest form, and it's a swagger people have who know what's good. Each Texas Pete hot sauce is packed with bold, balanced flavor. This signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. It's been at the center of dinner table since 1929 and is still heating things up today. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. The hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and not for the faint of heart. Sabor! By Texas Pete adds authentic Mexican flavor, and their dust-dry seasoning matches the flavor of the original hot sauce and a flavorful dry rub. Tell you what, the other day I was having myself a good old refried bean burrito, and I wanted a little bit of kick to my morning, so I got myself some cha Texas Pete sriracha sauce, and I smothered those refried beans and that cheese and them eggs in a whole bunch of cha. 
And it started off my day correct. Texas Pete, sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And use the promo code PODCAST24 for 20% off at TexasPete.com. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey! Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Now, once Taylor returned to California, he kept his belief that the end of days was coming, and they were coming rough. (laughs) 
Oh, yeah. oh my. <laughs> Therefore, Taylor became a survivalist, which conveniently fit in with his near-fundamentalist family's belief system. A lot of people in the Heltzer family lived apocalyptically, which only fed into Taylor's belief in his own ideas. I feel like it's another way to kind of live life in a fantasy world. Yeah, it, of course. It, that's what it is. It's you, you create this sense of stakes, like everything's going to be over soon, and, and everything matters so much more you think because you think everything's life and death. We're yeah. like, well, yes, everything is life and death. We do live and then die. It's this idea of living in constant fear of the end. I mean, I don't think what it, what does it do for you? Well, I mean, it makes, I think what it does is, I mean, it makes browsing on Amazon, you know, a, a, an adventure, you yeah. know, like it makes going to the store a life or death situation where I am getting provisions to make sure my family does not die when the end days come and they're coming any day now. You're like, Campbell's is five for nine. <laughs> and it used days. to be three for four. End of days. <laughs> Absolutely. Maybe he loved rehydrated food. Yeah. Yeah. Could you be. know, I actually love astronaut ice cream. It's really I good. do too. I honestly like it too. Is that uh, Dippin' Dots? No. Remember Dippin' no, Dots? No, it's when you um, it's when you pour whole milk into the asshole of a Russian <laughs> and you drink it out mm. with a spoon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Nice. Dippin' Dots or astronaut ice cream? Astronaut ice cream. <laughs> oh, I see. Astronaut. I get it. Dippin' Dots, the future of ice cream. They did not win the war. No. Hmm. Taylor also returned to California to find that his little brother Justin had copied his path by also going into the National Guard. And when Taylor came back preaching the apocalypse, Justin believed in that apocalypse. Yeah, Taylor, you're right. That sounds great. Honestly, National Guard, they were crazy naughty over there. I, I heard they swore quite a bit. Well, together, the two brothers became obsessed with a right-wing survivalist named Bo Gritz, although it's spelled Gritz, Gritz. with a Z. Bo Gritz yeah. is Bo an Gritz. interesting character. But it's pronounced Bo Gritz. Yes, oh, I'm calling just, him Gritz. Because call him well, Gritz. There's, a, there's a future pun going that you're going to want to go with Gritz. Okay. Yeah. And Greitz, by the way, uh, loosely inspired the character of Hannibal on the A-Team. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's also some, there, one uh, thing I read said that he inspired Rambo as well. Yeah. Wow. Well, Greitz was a former Green Beret who served in Vietnam and eventually ran for president in 1992 on the populist platform under the slogan, God, Guns, and Greitz. There it is. Yeah, there Triple, it is. G, Triple G, G. And he supplemented his run with an isolationist political manifesto called... The Bill of Greits. <laughs> oh, now that's it. what we've been waiting <laughs> yeah. for. That's the pun. That's the pun. It doesn't work with the Bill of Grits. I mean, it, you know, God, it, does, it, it doesn't work. <laughs> honestly, <laughs> to be honest, it doesn't work at all. Honestly, the bill of grits. we spent so much time in this house last week. My Grits bill was insane. Oh, absolutely <laughs> nuts. Right around the same time as his presidential run, Greitz was also involved in the Ruby Ridge standoff. He was the guy who talked Randy Weaver into standing down. Yeah, dude. He also organized his own reinvasion of Vietnam to search for POWs on his own time. That's mm -hmm. incredible. Yeah. Soon after, of course, soon after uh, Ruby Ridge, Greitz began conducting a survivalist training program called Spike or Specially Trained Individuals for Key Events. Ooh, nice. Spike. I wonder if he came up with Spike first yeah, and then had to accurate. fill it I out. Think that's it sounds it like he filled it out later. Yeah. 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 Which, which sounds like a dick, but you can kill with it. It's not a dick. I know <laughs> it's you, a everybody argue with me. I know you can kill with a dick. <laughs> 
Now, not coincidentally, <laughs> Bo Greitz had at one point also been a Mormon, but had removed himself from the membership roles of the church after saying that the LDS was more controlled by the government than God. I and, will not allow a law to be inside this house. <laughs> and dare I say, that's not Greitz. <laughs> <laughs> now that's, that's a catchphrase. That's, that's a, a punny well, catchphrase. That's not Greitz. <laughs> Greitz's exit from the church had more to do with his income tax return uh. than actual orthodoxy. But from Bo Greitz, Taylor and Justin Heltzer took the phrase spiritual warrior. Spiritual warrior. <laughs> <laughs> which began to wrap Taylor's belief system in violence. Not, Bo- not to be a Bogrites did not call for violence. He absolutely no. did not. I want to make that clear. But the phrase spiritual warrior, it definitely ding ding the violence bell in Taylor Heltzer's head. Oh, yeah. yeah and it's supposed Bogrites, to be kind of a euphemism, I think. But. He also, oh, yeah, of course, tried to commit suicide to get his wife back by shooting himself in the chest in a way that he knew wouldn't kill him, <laughs> but would send a message to his wife because he was because he's wrote this whole long thing. It's an interesting story. He well, why are we just covering Bogrites? I know, I want to cover Bogrites at some point. But he shot himself in the chest and everyone's like, yeah, if anybody knew how to commit suicide, it would be that man. That's how I know he didn't mean it. And then afterwards, Bogrites was like, because I'll tell you what, every day I slept in the muck of Vietnam, I knew my angel was home waiting for me. And every day I wake up to fight the tyranny that is taxation in America. I would wake up and my wife would be there. That angel would be there when I woke up in the morning to comfort me. And now to think that I would not wake up with my beloved Beverly at my side. That's not great. Right. <laughs> um, did she come back to him? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of marriage, around this time, Taylor Heltzer married a woman named Anne after he convinced her to convert to Mormonism. But the marriage unraveled so quickly that the couple went into counseling almost immediately after their honeymoon. Don't also say you should not have to convince someone to change their entire orthodoxy just to get married to them. Yeah. Well, this is also just the kind of sad state of what it's like to. I mean, I, I feel for people who feel the need to get married so early or like think that they have to do it like with you have church you approval also oh, not even with that it's just like in general like Anne and him had like two conversations in high school where she's like he's handsome and nice and then like he went and did all of this shit he came back and then he was he's not a, obviously taylor's not a nice man and so when they met back up she struck it back up with him she's like oh we should really get serious and he's like you're not a mormon you can't touch this dude because like, he had fought it. And so she it was really kind of I, I feel bad for her because yeah. she felt the need to have to be married. Yeah. And get up with this dude immediately. Generational right. thing. Also, mm-hmm. a lot of people just getting married so they can bone zone. But you can just do that. Oh, yeah. And just fucking gush on the hip. <laughs> sure. Just don't make it count. <laughs> yeah, sure. According to Anne, everything always had to be Taylor's way because Taylor was so goddamn special. It was ridiculous to think that his way might not be the correct way. And if you challenged him at all, he'd get angry and tell you that you just didn't get it. Yeah, well, of course, it's totally normal to put ketchup on steak. Uh, you totally get I put ketchup on well, steak. I also think the idea of you just don't get it is ju- I it is. I don't know what about that response makes me so fucking furious. Unless yeah. it's like rocket science, in which case I will agree. Oh, like, I don't get that. I don't get yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get that. But that's different. But someone saying like, uh, you don't get it. Uh, it's because you don't get it. Yeah. It's like, what is this? It's just, oh, this is real life. It's not the internet. It's infuriating. Yeah. Furthermore, 
Out of his parents' house and on his own in America for the first time, Taylor was finding that the secular world was a hell of a lot more fun and interesting than the Mormon shelter he'd been raised under. Hmm. From what it sounds like, it all began with television. See, Taylor had never been allowed to watch TV growing up. So when he moved in with Anne and got cable, he'd spend all night, every night, watching show after show, saying, quote, There's so much great stuff on. (laughs) He literally, the 24-hour news cycle. This is 1992? 93. Okay, so we're before the 24-hour news cycle. Oh, yeah. That was 96. He got so, I I mean, I get it. I get it. I mean, he's not just watching cable news. He's watching all the cable. Time Life, a lot of Time Life commercials. If you showed Benjamin Franklin MTV's The Grind before (laughs) he wrote the Constitution of America, like, honestly, I think this country would be different. You can just see the dust coming off of his crotch as he gets hard for the first time. (laughs) Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? Benjamin Franklin fucked all the time until the day he died. No one in this country fucked as much as Benjamin Franklin. He would have been been at the fucking spring break house. (laughs) He would have been there, the only guy with no hair in the front and a ponytail in the back with the tiny glasses. (laughs) Yeah, they really did, man. Like, when he used to go over to France, like, everyone got super excited because they knew, like, the good orgies were about to begin. Yes. (laughs) On Top Hat this week, we talk about Madison Cawthorn saying that he was invited to some orgies uh, in Washington, and Mm. he was none too pleased with it. Yeah, I bet. Orgies. Orgies with Chuck Grassley. Yeah, dot orgy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, from there, Taylor embarked on a kind of second adolescence, stopping off at arcades after work for hours at a time. Look at all the machines! Look at all the machines! And used to run around truly... She used to have to go literally have to physically pull him out of the arcade because he was stuck like on the an machine. Alien. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's like Earth Girls are easy. Yeah. He also <laughs> discovered pornography and tried to get his wife to try every single thing he saw in the videotapes and magazines he picked up. I think it's interesting when you re when you see people talk about this, because like this is remember this is a Mormon lens. Yeah. So everything you're looking at is through every various Mormon point of view. So mm-hmm. this woman, when the way she describes it, she was like, and the things he wanted me to do. I saw some of the footage of it, and it was absolutely reprehensible. And you know, the only thing she's talking about is the butt. Yeah, it's just anal. It's, it's the all butt. Yeah. like that is the only. That's and the, the worst that it got. Unspeakable acts. I cannot believe. It was like no, it's pornography you could have bought off a stand. It's butt. Frozen dildos. <laughs> I don't remember those. Fire and ice. There was a penthouse centerfold that I will never forget. Fire and ice, and I believe they had frozen dildos. So perhaps you wanted to do. Oh yeah, and there's some PP play. I saw some uh, Nugget magazine. Nugget. Uh, yeah, Nugget. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Was, it's always the one in the middle of the three pack that you steal from the store. Yeah, I always remember in one of those I got a, a club confidential that had this whole like pregnant woman breast milk spread. See, but I thought it was confi- I thought it was confidential, <laughs> but uh, that seems was the opposite of confidential. Uh, Marcus is going to get sued. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but even though Taylor was living the thirteen-year-old's dream of unlimited cable, arcades, and porn. <laughs> He still managed to get a job at Morgan Stanley as a stockbroker through his wife's uncle in 1993. If you've learned nothing from Wolf of Wall Street, you need to understand that stockbrokers are not special. No. Anybody can be one. Yeah. See, even though Taylor had wacky religious beliefs, he was still a sociopath who could turn on his shallow charm whenever he wanted and was therefore one hell of a salesman. He actually enjoyed cold calling customers, which personally, I think you got to be a sociopath to enjoy cold calling. Well, hey, listen, my, my, honestly, my favorite hobby 
hassling people. <laughs> it's Love my it. favorite. Yeah. You can just see him trying to bond with people at Wall Street, just slipping them Nugget magazine under the table. <laughs> like, Have you, you heard like of it? pornography? Have you heard of this? <laughs> Have you heard of video games? Justin Heltzer, meanwhile, had an uneventful run in the National Guard and went on an uneventful two-year mission. And without his brother's charisma, he got a job installing cable TV. He oh, is truly a, a pool noodle yeah. of a human being. He is... I, I don't... I mean, yeah, I'm he's gonna worse than him. that. A pool noodle is at least fun. Yeah, you have a function on it. Sometimes it slides between a woman's legs. But yeah. Justin Helzer is a fucking a useless human being. Whoa, guys, problem. are we kidding here? He installs cable. He's an American hero. I guess he did. That do. was back in the day. That was a tough gig. Yeah. I know, but, and you, but the thing about them is like, I love our cable installers. If we have anybody who listens to cable installer, I know. I don't know but, if they're needed but, anymore. But they're not really, but the thing is, is that they're, they're, their moral compass was always off because you could give a cable guy, a hundred bucks, and he'll do whatever you want. Like, he will just give you, he will fix it all up. You get the free pay-per-view and mm -hmm. shit. They're very easily bribable. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're also talking from like a 1992 perspective. Yeah. It's not like that anymore. But no, that's why I'm in here it. now. Yeah, you're in there, man. No, yo, no, I try to offer the, we did have cable put it in the house and I did, because it's like, what do you get? Yeah. And it's like, nah, now it's all corporate or whatever, man. Yeah, Fuck you that can't, shit, you can't do it and they don't want to get fired because they're living paycheck to paycheck and yeah. it's really hard out there. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Now, Taylor branched out into the more salacious and adult corners of the secular world after three years working at Morgan Stanley. And the whole time, three years, he's keeping his vices to TV, porn, and arcades. Do we not know if this is just the plot to big? Yeah. It really sounds like it. that real. woman had yeah. sex with a 13-year-old boy. And at some point, she does need to be brought to justice. Yeah. <laughs> and, she, and at the end of it, even after she knew that she had sex with a 13-year-old boy, she still had this winsome look on her face. Yeah, it, was like she, it wasn't horror. Well, like because, absolute abject horror that it should have been. It's because that 13-year-old boy had the dick of a man. <laughs> he did. He really did. The dick of Tom Hanks. Well, in addition to all that, according to his wife, Taylor also began dressing like a 15-year-old. And speaking as someone who was almost 15 in 1997, it was not a good look. Well, well let's not diss the Jinko. <laughs> I will put it this way. it's I don't know if it's like specifically like a 15-year-old, because I know I have reached a, an era where I am dressing however I want, because uh, I never got to as a little kid. You're I never got to buy the sneakers. You don't have a conch shell necklace. Yeah. I don't. That was needed. Yeah, you don't have frosted tips. Don't but have no, frosted tips. Again, this is a Mormon perspective. So mm. I think when she says that he's dressed as a 15-year-old, it's because he's not wearing a, he's not a businessman. Uh, he doesn't yeah. wear his suit to go to work, and he doesn't do all the shit. It's like he's wearing like t-shirts and say like Billabong on yeah, it. He's he's yeah, he's shopping at PacSun. Yeah. yeah. He's probably got some WWF gear, blood from a stone, some really cool Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt. Mm -hmm. I had like 50 fucking wrestling shirts. Dude. Yeah. It was really cool. Oh, I mean, no one thought it was cool, but yeah, you, you I, did. I thought it was cool. Yeah. No, I thought my Stone Cold shirt was kind of cool. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. I had my fucking No Fear shirts. Yeah. Like, yeah. Big Johnson shirts. Yeah. yeah we were not allowed. Don't yeah. get you in trouble. Yeah. Get you yeah. We had Bear Piss Beer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those were fun. That's Those right. were fun. <laughs> well, leaving behind Anne and the two children they had together, Taylor left his home for weeks at a time and started smoking, drinking, <gasps> and going out to nightclubs, oh, yeah. where he experimented with weed, cocaine, and shrooms. But considering how this was 1997 and Taylor was also discovering the rave scene, oh. his main drug for a time was ecstasy. What brought you here? Well, I started with Street Fighter. Then I played Street Fighter 2. <laughs> Next thing you know, man. 
I'm just here at this rave selling you drugs. <laughs> Whoa, cool. Yeah. That's the best story I've ever heard. Isn't that weird? But the thing is, is if you know, if you remember college, because I know I was like that, because I, I didn't really That's do- That's a tricky question. I, I did not do a lot of substances throughout high school, right? Like I mostly, I smoked a little bit of weed, but I didn't really start hard drinking and smoking until I, I hit 18 and I went into college. And I really think that we, those first moments of foraying into substances, you know who that guy is. Yeah. Where he's just of like, course. hey man, have you tried shitting on weed? You know, like that, that bullshit from Half-Baked where it's yeah. all like a guy who beca it became his entire personality yeah. was ecstasy. And what does that oh, mean? No. You are an insufferable human being. I would yeah. almost say you're by definition a psychic vampire. Because these people on ecstasy, they want to be happy, but they have to steal your joy to do it. Yeah. Now, as Taylor began to see just how much fun the adult non-Mormon world could be, <laughs> he conveniently also began to believe that he'd been betrayed by the church. His mission had been a bust and his marriage was a bust. So therefore, Taylor didn't feel like he had a true place in the LDS. He, and this is all from like the first taste of a non-Mormon life. Well, you know I, mean, what I mean, he'd like, been at it in like three years. Like, But seriously, yeah. the, he escalated in those three yeah. years. Right. Like, it's just kind of interesting because he barely was, he barely paid attention to his marriage and his kids oh, and all course. that kind of and shit. Some fucking yeah, kid like was, slips him a joint at the arcade and it's all fucking over from there. Over. It's, like, it's, what the, it's like what the dare people thought exactly. would happen. It's yeah. for madness. I mean, I think that's what it is, is that really that only happens with super sheltered kids. Yeah. It really does if you're if you have parents that like raise you like a normal person then you know it's not that bad this super is why kids super really do fall down the you have to you know be dirty as a kid you know build up the immune system yeah do and all the butt parent, stuff roll around <laughs> suck dick snowball anything especially when you're a kid get out of your system yeah. man. well i don't know about that but i was gonna say give your children small amounts of booze young but that was also a bad idea but, yeah. uh, the french, you know, the french do it it's fine what's that the french do it they give the kids wine yeah. wow. the french have some issues and it's, in Italy, it's legal to smoke when you're nine. <laughs> Is that right? Mandatory even. Yes. <laughs> but I think the biggest reason why Taylor rebelled against the LDS and his marriage was because his life was turning out to be extremely ordinary. See, he'd been told for his entire existence by both his family and the church that he was destined for greatness. <sighs> Instead, all he had was a regular-ass office job, a regular-ass wife, and two regular-ass screaming kids. I'm so supposed to have my own planet! Where's the planet? I mean, <laughs> He's not waiting until death for that fucking planet. Oh, he wants it now. Yeah. That's nice. I, mean, I guess... I'm happy that my parents were just like, I hope he gets a job as a manager at Burger King. Like, that's kind of nice to have lowered expectations, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I really I mean, feel like pressure, it, I guess. If it's not put on you, the pressure is not put on you, then good. But, you know, it's nice. You know, a little ambition's nice. Yeah, a little, a little ambition course, is nice. Yeah. But it's internal. You have to have it yourself. But ironically, Speaking to the ordinary point, even though the Bay Area club scene of the late 90s might have seemed exotic and exciting to a former Mormon like Taylor Heltzer, it was ultimately just as ordinary as his own life. There's nothing special about doing X and dancing to Moby. Yeah, no, it just it takes sometimes a couple of years to understand that because <laughs> right. for a while you're like, this is the best time I've ever had in my life. Like We're doing that. that. And then it's just the, you know what it is? It's... A couple of years of waking up, like leaving a place at 6 a.m. Mm -hmm. and you come out to the light and then you go onto the subway and you see like teachers or construction workers mm -hmm. and you're like a big old mess and you're feeling worse and worse and worse. And like no one's digging you. No. Like Taylor was not. It's not like he was a party promoter. Like he wasn't at the center of the action at Limelight. You no. know what I mean? Like no. he wasn't at 
Studio 54. He's in the worst place in the world. No, mine wasn't X. Mine was that same situation. It was cocaine and it was coming out of home sweet home in the Lower East Side yeah. Uh, yeah, at six in the morning. And it's I always kind of like seeing people go to work because then I know I don't have to. And I'm like, I'm going to bed. Bye. <laughs> a lot of times it was because I had to wake up and then go do some type of work. It just that wasn't was that always work. horrible. But just as Taylor fell into the world of drinking and recreational drugs, so too did his brother Justin, and both began doing both on the regular. This, however, wasn't what truly scrambled the brains of the Helter brothers. That can be placed squarely on the shoulders of a self-help course big with Mormons called Harmony, which sent both brothers down a destructive path of amorality. Mm. I would not necessarily even say... And any other type of show that we've done that like this one thing is what really shot him down the pipe. But it really was. It really is was. this like a there's a show on CNBC not to plug. Um, it's called Business Boot Camp. Yeah, please. And don't I plug. watched it and it sucks. And all they do is scream at you and they're like, this is going to make your business better. But it's not. Well, it's just there for to watch. It's there so I can watch you suffer. Is that kind of what this is? Well, let's get into it. OK. Harmony was a ripoff of another self-help program called Impact. And it therefore shared many of the same basic beliefs and techniques. And they're all a ripoff of a thing called Est, which is run by Werner Erhardt. And it's again, it's the same thing. We cover this. Randy Kraft mm -hmm. was a part of with the original group of people. It's weird Jeez. how those synchronicities show up, weird, right? Yeah. Because the Est training is exactly the same as Impact and Harmony. They all stole from each other. And uh, no, nothing really in the end helped anybody. No. Okay. Now, it's hard to find concrete information about impact because, quite tellingly, the founders of the program have gone to great lengths to actively expunge any information on the Internet that portrays them in a negative light. Uh, just tell them we're part of Nexium. <laughs> <laughs> but when you look at the testimonies on ex-Mormon message boards, you can see that impact is somewhat of a combination of the business practices of Scientology and a light version of the MK Ultra technique known as psychic driving. Concerning the former, Impact was a spinoff of Lifespring, which stemmed from Landmark Forum, which came from Mind Dynamics, which is, of course, a component of Scientology. Money laundering. Uh, it is. Uh, it's interesting because, as we've said... There are certain things in the lower aspects of Scientology that can be helpful. As you've said. But I have read an article. I was reading this massive, um, this, it was about the, from the behaviorist perspective, about the idea of breaking down what EST is, S training is, but like kind of get in mind of like, because I want to know, like when we did the Scientology series, what exactly is the shit yeah. that they're talking about? What is, what happens when you go to Harmony training? Right. And a part of what they do is, it's a roast battle version of a Joel Osteen show <laughs> where you write like a testimony about who you are and then you go into a room right? and then they take the information you gave you and they break you down using you. what you gave, what they gave you. Do it's they exactly you what up. they did to Ted Kaczynski. That was the, that was the fucking experiment that broke Ted Kaczynski was doing exactly that. But they don't, but then you have to do the buildup part. There's a buildup part. Just right, but we'll get, up. we'll get to the oh, buildup okay. part. There's a, that's what makes it similar to psychic driving it's and what makes you. it similar okay. to an MK ultra thing, of course, because the Ted Kaczynski thing was related to MK ultra. It right. all comes back to MK ultra. And also, so a lot of this was stolen from the tactics of Werner Erhardt, who who LRH, he was so offended mm -hmm. by yeah. S training that he sued. He sued him? He sued him for theft of intellectual property. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. In, in addition, Impact's tiered, highly expensive system of escalating programs mirrors the business model pioneered so many years before by L. Ron Hubbard. 
Starting at level one with what's called quest training, currently available for the low, low price of $725. What? Impact starts with a four-day retreat covering such vague concepts as relationship skills, accountability, and leadership. In reality, though, the quest training within Impact was a highly abrasive, confrontational experience that supposedly broke down old beliefs. In these sessions, which started at 6 a.m. every day, a facilitator aggressively asks deeply personal questions, then insults the participant until they sometimes either cried or vomited. They're supposed to sit in a chair, not move. Supposed to be a bathroom break every four hours and let them out, right? Okay. And then they can go. But the whole idea, Marcus and Kessel, what you guys don't get is that it's all about can you even sit with yourself for a goddamn minute? Yeah, I mean, can I, I even... was on a plane over yeah, sure. six hours to get here. <laughs> yeah, what you're alone. doing, man? Oh, yeah, that's your act. Bro, you're playing into your act. It's your oh. act. You show up the Kissel, the, the bumbling, oh, beloved simpleton. This sure. man covered in grime and beer flex. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's just the act. That's not right. you, well, that's, right? Well, it's nice that you actually said that, but I mean, that's not even my act. But, but you're <laughs> lying to everyone because actually that is you, well, but your uh, actual portrayal. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, bitch. <laughs> well, for example, as far as like them asking questions and completely breaking them down, one woman admitted to being sexually abused by her father and brothers. The facilitator called her a slut. Oh my God. That's just for the first day. Jesus. Yeah. That's just what they're trying to do. It's Come on. Horrible. It's day one. You gotta warm me up. 750 bucks, huh? Yeah. 775. Oh my goodness. Back then in the early 90s, it was like 325. So inflation has definitely caught up uh, to harmony. Well, by today's standards, pump number nine, that's about 2,500 bucks. <laughs> Three weeks going on. That's pump number nine. <laughs> But on the third day, after the participants are broken down, the facilitator switches to a more loving tone, just like they did with psychic driving, manipulating people into thinking that some good had actually been done. Well, Mm. this is where they kind of get off uh, and it's cool because it's technically a limited time period that you're spending getting abused. Where Scientology, it's a whole lifetime that you're signing up for and they keep moving the goalposts of what you uh, you have shown that you have been effectively trained and then you, you have learned and you have grown or this is at least it's one and done in a weekend but a lot of people's lives are literally shattered by the weekend yeah, yeah well usually have, they, they just stayed broken but thing about that is that they became convinced that they could only be made right again through the higher levels which only got more and more expensive it's horrible welcome to the zabrowski thought clinic i can't wait to have everybody <laughs> aboard wait. we're going to be doing this toot toot everybody get aboard the thought clinic train bus ship because what i'm going to do is get get your thoughts and turn them into Oughts. Because about what yeah. you ought to do, not what you thought you should do. I love it. I don't know what it was about the weekend, but I really think sketch comedy has potential. And I feel like overall, the Polish are one of the funnier people. Honestly, that clinic really showed me a lot of Henry's impressions are not as problematic as I thought they were. <laughs> As far as what sorts of manipulative activities these people participated in, they'd sometimes play a game in which you and three other people all had to pretend that you're all in a ship that's going to sink. And one of you were given three popsicle sticks, and whoever got those sticks would be saved, while the others would be left to die. And to make it even more disturbing, the popsicle stick captain could also choose to keep one for themselves. Oh, yeah. Each person had to make an argument as to why they should live and the others should die. And by the way, this happens after you know everybody's deepest, darkest secrets. And more often than not, 
the popsicle stick captain kept one for themselves, regardless of the arguments made by their imaginary shipmates. Because that's tell you real dog meat, <laughs> and that's what you don't fucking get. Yeah, I'm standing up. I know it's it. fucking real. Yeah. When it comes down to it, because it's about what is, is, and what ain't, ain't. And <laughs> Thank you, Bill Clinton. Research. I just want to be the person who eats all the popsicles. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I guess you do got to get the popsicles, don't you? You do have to have a little fun with it. Yeah. Pamela, you don't happy. get one because you're a bitch. <laughs> Bob, you're a fucking Bitch, so you don't get one. <laughs> Jerry, bitch, you don't get one. <laughs> Perfect. from Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here with Henry Zabrowski. Yeah, it's me, man. Yeah, bro. Henry Zabrowski is smoking some of that sweet last podcast on the left, babe. So go out there and purchase yourself some. I hope you enjoy it. We have sativa, we have indica, and we have a hybrid. And I have to tell you, from my personal experience, they are wonderful. Super tasty live resin. You really get the delicious weedy taste, which is what I like. And yes. three different experiences. You go to your local vape store and get it. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. We absolutely love you. Can't wait to see you on the road and get that vape. Put it in your brain and have a good time. And if you want us at your favorite weed store, give them a call and ask for them by name. Absolutely. Last podcast on the left. It's weed. Hail yourselves, everyone. Hail Satan. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest. And I guess I can share it here. I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction, and it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. How many platforms do I work on? So many platforms. Can you believe it? Google Docs. Work on that. Very complicated. Lots of different things going out. Clickety-clack, right? Slack. Same things to my employees. All my, all my, my main doldgers walking around here. It makes sure it changes cluck to the word I meant for it to say to everyone. But I try to say not curse words on Slack. What am I supposed to do about it? But Grammarly doesn't fix curse words, does it? Because Grammarly's too good for it. It's too classy. It's Grammarly is an AI writing partner that helps you get work done faster with high quality writing. Because better writing means a stronger impact. The pen is mightier than the sword. Except when the sword is in the room. 96% of Grammarly users report that Grammarly helps them craft more impactful writing and suggestions based on your audience goals and context. Can you believe it? And data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly. It's in its goods. All right. So Grammarly's great. Use it. I use it. I love its gentle harassment of my writing style because it does help me because sometimes my thumbs are faster than my eyeballs. 
Don't quote me on that. Get AI writing support that works where you work. Sign up and download for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. Now, while some people have said that impact training destroyed them emotionally or led family members to destroy their lives in the pursuit of its promised results, others, like Taylor and Justin's mother, Karma, loved it. Yep. After starting with impact, she switched to the ripoff program, Harmony, and brought her sons into the fold. And with impact, Taylor Heltzer found both a cult leader roadmap and the justification he needed to bring his darkest sociopathic urges to light. Mm. It's much like any other thought system, right? There are things that you could learn and take, like a rational person. Take or, an improv class. <laughs> truly, we're because an there ele- are elevated some good person. skills that you can learn. But you can pick and choose and understand that like, oh, some of these teachings are allegorical. I'm supposed to learn by example and take this with me. And it's right. maybe a long, it's a life lesson that I'm supposed to play out over time. A lot of times these things are not supposed to be taken like word for word, literally. Yeah. Like, because right. if you do, when it ends up, you end up Hitler, like it's that type of shit where it's like you can't just buy into some kind of esoteric system wholeheartedly. Right. You have to kind of it's about reflecting. You people should more people should read the Kabbalion. Yeah, that's right. And basically, Impact and Harmony had a belief system close to the objectivism of Ayn Rand, in which the only thing that matters is the self. Additionally, these programs stress that the concepts of right and wrong do not exist, or at least don't matter. I mean, they do it when you're driving, you yeah. want to get to a place. <laughs> well, um, yes, well, that's the idea. But what really matters is if something works or it doesn't. There's no right, there's no wrong. It's does it work or does it not? And okay. I am not going to speak well of objectivism in any way, shape, or form, but the way I will compare it to is because Est is kind of like what I said before. It's weaponized Zen Buddhism. Yeah. Like it's this idea of destruction of the ego version of yourself. What you what you portray, the idea that what you think and believe are not you, that they actually have no bearing on what reality is. So there's an objective reality at the very bottom of it that is us as individual souls floating around in goop, but that type of shit, right? And it's all about trying to get to that, get to the real. And the thing now is- why though, would I want to do that? I don't know. I honestly, I don't know because I like my thoughts. I'm like, I'm kind of consumed by my thoughts. Maybe that's a problem. Yeah. But again- uh, I want to get to the opposite of that. I like the opposite. Yeah. But the thing is, is that it's interesting because- this that that sentence is supposed to be about 
it's supposed to be about not judging your judgments yeah. on a feeling that you have. And it's all about like kind of lessening how hard you are on yourself for having conditioned responses to your own responses, right? Like being mad about feeling guilty, feeling mad about being sad, like those types of things. Mm -hmm. But he did it wrong. Yeah. yeah. I mean, while other people saw impact as something in which they participated, Taylor Heltzer saw it as an instruction manual on how to manipulate people. And okay. it is. Yeah. A day. You break them down, you humiliate them, and you build them into something else that you can use. And it's with this belief that right and wrong did not exist that Taylor Heltzer began to try and build a cult, using his brother Justin as his first disciple. Well, I tell you what, Taylor, that sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun, Taylor. <laughs> It's just Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, I'm just having a good time, Taylor. The second member, or at least the attempted second, was a highly attractive waitress named Carrie Furman. Mm. In 1998, Carrie was working as a server at the Peppermill restaurant Ooh, in Concord, California. She used to work in a diner. <laughs> Never saw a woman look fine. Remember that song? No. No. Neil Young? No. She used to work in a diner, never saw anyone look finer? No. What's the, what's the name of the song? Can you name it? Wendy's. Uh, I don't know the name of it. <laughs> wow, we're just deep into I don't know if this is an Uncle Corner. This is like great Uncle Corner. <laughs> what? You guys don't know that song? Somebody knows it out there. I bet. Oh, yeah. Someone's yelling. Yeah. It's Harvest or something like that? Well, eh, whatever. In the Peppermill restaurant in Concord, California, Taylor Heltzer came in and chatted Carrie up. Carrie thought he was handsome and charming. So when Taylor left a credit card instead <gasps> of a tip, leaving a note, Buy yourself something nice. Oh my god! She was intrigued. It's so douchey. It's obvious he doesn't have that much money on it. But also, it's just the thing that, like, a beautiful woman, things happen to her, and sometimes she's just like, "Thank you." Buy yourself yeah. something nice. Well, she admits to her. She admits that at this point, she was a low point in her self esteem. Sure. You know, and Taylor took full advantage of that. He completely abandoned his wife and kids and manipulated Carrie into moving in with him faster than you could say Charles Manson. Charles Manson. Wow. That fast. And well, they're together now? Wow. I don't think it <laughs> escrowed escrow to go so fast. Well, soon, the two of them moved into a rented house with two roommates named Olivia and Brandon, along with Taylor's brother, Justin. Just like the dream you told me all about it with really your brother was. and two roommates. This is great. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he, they get to share a room with the brother. Yeah, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. Thanks for the credit card. Now, from what Carrie said, Taylor was very loving and made her feel special. And he had that effect on a lot of people. He was very manipulative. And Rotisserie Tuesdays, it had a double meaning. <sighs> but soon after, no, he just watched. Oh. Yeah, he did just yeah, watch. He did oh, just God. watch. Yeah. Right, at, his brother's, at his brother's request, I by gotta the way. Tell you, yeah. when, you when you get, when you're going down on her, I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's lunch I wish I could share. Oh, my. A lunch you wish you could share. <laughs> Oh, Let me get so, some hand. So uh, oh, no. I made a phantom. I made a little ghost patch. Yes, that's ejaculate. <laughs> but soon after. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, ghost patch. But soon after abandoning his family, Taylor began to believe that he was destined for greater things. And great men don't have office jobs. Oh, hey, man, don't got to look at me, bro. <laughs> Can't get me back into an office unless I'm seeking my revenge. Very <laughs> abstract. <laughs> so embarking on his first of many schemes, Taylor began the process of scamming Morgan Stanley into giving him disability payments by faking mental illness. And it worked. <laughs> he went days without shaving or showering and babbled about wild ideas 
ideas openly in the office. Listen, 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 listen. When we get rid of trains, right? Fucking get rid of cabs. You're going to get rid of trains and Helicopters. You know what, man? They went with that shit. You know there's an Uber helicopter service in fucking New York right now that you can take a fucking helicopter from your office building to LaGuardia and JFK. I'm not doing it unless it's Gallagher's. I have to start writing things down. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that was Gallagher. That was Gallagher's idea. And Carrie Furman, meanwhile, played the part of the concerned girlfriend trying to save her partner from the throes of mental illness. And sure enough, it worked. And Taylor was soon living on the easy street of fraudulent disability payments. That's sad, man. <laughs> the easy That's street of disability payments. <laughs> Once Taylor convinced Carrie to help him out with his scheme, he talked her into taking the same Harmony Impact courses that he'd taken. And since she was, by her own admission, highly suggestive and vulnerable, she felt like she got a lot out of it. Now, in the house where Taylor, Carrie, Justin, and the two other roommates lived, Taylor began ruling the place as an authoritarian, copying what he'd learned from the Impact Harmony training. Oh, God, what an annoying prick. Oh, yeah. And he also refused to pay rent. Oh, yeah, because he was in charge. I'm the conductor. Okay, you see the conductor paying for violins? You think the conductor, (laughs) he's got to fucking rent his baton? But no, it's a tiny room. And it was like, I just think about just how stupid this beginning is. Mm -hmm. Because the other two roommates were not involved. No. Like they were just normal ass roommates just being like, yeah, I see you got the mini cold going on here. Um, if you guys could leave my mac and cheese alone, <laughs> just I'm going to put my initials on it. Yeah. Just so you do that. Also, if somebody, uh, the, the manager wants to know about the garbage disposal, somebody call about the garbage disposal. Meanwhile, he's like, I am a child of light. And you're like, all right. <laughs> well, just leave the mac and cheese alone. We're fine. Well, eventually, Taylor convinced the quite attractive Carrie to pose for nude pictures to try to get her a spread in Playboy. Either, I don't know what his endgame with it, either he was trying to see what he could convince her to do, or he was just trying to make some quick money. Well, right. He, he kind of did the thing of, what, what was it uh, from Step Brothers, where the, the group they had, it was like events worldwide, or like, I, I forgot what their, their mm. thing is. Yeah. He, this is his beginnings of wanting to create a hyper elite escort service. Yeah. And so he thought oh that when gosh. he, got, that was like one, we'll get into it, but he definitely used her. He thought that like, see, we've got a Playboy model on the roster. And he's going to bump up all of our shit. And then Justin's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be amazing. We need honesties. Maybe a couple big hung guys, right? A couple yeah. big hung guys. That's Carl uh, Hungus. <laughs> Yep. So this was also probably for his own status, right? Yeah, I so mean, he could be married to or dating a Playboy model. Something like that. I mean, he borrowed $2,500 from his father for new boobs for Carrie. Probably never paid it back either. But quite shockingly, Carrie got in. Very good. She was a Playboy playmate. Woo. Had one of those like classic, like huge fake tits, soft focus, like belt and garters, 90s Playboy spread. You're talking about Sable from the WWE. No. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Sable's, Sable's spread was a little more in focus than the 90s Playboy really was most of the time. Mm, the playmates always had a soft focus. focus. I think my eyes crossed pretty yeah. hard. But I mean, it's hard focus. Like you got oh, to yeah. see every single inch of Sable in mm. that spread. Yeah, look at the, fine, ooh, yeah, the look on your face. You're ooh, like an umpire. Yeah. I spent a lot of time with that issue uh, but it is the, you know she didn't make it i would put her, her on there as some you know maybe this is controversial to say but probably most attractive cult member of all time you know what i'm gonna go ahead and agree with that well yeah without a doubt i kind of like the mans and girls oh sure no i mean oh, yeah. i want to yeah. hang out with them yeah yeah 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, conventionally attractive. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely the only Playboy model to be in a cult that we yeah. know of. That we know of. Yeah. Really? Well, there's I, probably I a lot of Scientologists Playboy models now that be. I think Oh, about. I think there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So going off this, Taylor pushed Carrie further into the world of sex work, convincing her to dance nude in the strip clubs of San Francisco while also acting as a backroom pimp who set Carrie up with oral sex gigs. Now, in true pimp form, Taylor kept most of the money Carrie earned from sex work, saying that he needed it to invest money in a program of his own making that was going to be similar to Harmony. Instead, <sighs> he invested that money into what was basically an escort service called in to me see I'm going to kill myself I hate it I <laughs> really really hate it can you say it's it again in, in to, to me see but hey Kissel if you say if you say it fast it sounds like intimacy 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 no into me see it's so, so gross, man. About get hand jobs. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Taylor Heltzer soon took on the pseudonym of Jordan Taylor and printed into me see business cards that asked potential clients if they wanted better relationships, better sex, and more joy in their lives. If it's with you, Taylor. And uh, a hand job. <laughs> <laughs> With a further finance venture, Taylor became an ecstasy dealer at the local raves and tried forcing his brother to do the same. But this seems to be the only time Justin ever split from his brother, because while Taylor was a rave guy, Justin liked the goth clubs. He, okay, rave versus goth. This is a how can they stay together? I There's actually, not that much difference. Maybe oh, I'm wrong. Email side stories lpotl at gmail.com. When I have met goths, they're normally not like simple you know what i mean mm -hmm. justin was a simple goth i i don't i don't know if justin was as simple as you're making him out i think i don't he think was. i don't know if he was Everything i think he was I, just a very submissive human being i don't know yeah. i don't know i don't know either i don't know maybe i'm just giving him like goth points i think you're giving him goth points. yeah sure. but yeah maybe i'm giving him goth points but that's the other thing too there is a link between the rave world and the goth world sure cyber goths oh yes oh don't yeah. tell me i belong <laughs> the cyber goth community is a complicated one. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say the movie Blade. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But. <laughs> yes. It works. But Justin was still under his brother's thumb in many ways. Sometimes, as I mentioned before, he would watch his brother have sex with Carrie at Taylor's request. And also, as I mentioned before, <sighs> Justin was seen by his roommates on more than one occasion on all fours, eating from a plate on the floor while making loud smacking sounds. Henry look, might be look, right. I got it in my eyebrows. <laughs> yeah, I think Henry might be right. <laughs> eating like I a dog. And he's just, I think he's just an impossibly weird human being. I don't think he's simple. Marcus, I think have you he's ever just weird. Like a dog? <laughs> well, God, I get have a, you ever eaten food like a dog? No, but I'm not that weird. I'm not a weird person. Sure. Yeah, right. I'm really You're not. Okay. Oh, I'm a very sure, normal yeah, person. Okay. I'm a normal human being. Don't give me that look. They can't see the look you're making <laughs> right now. But it's not. I'm not commenting up. because this is my I'm not commenting look. <laughs> this is me. We're keeping the business together. <laughs> oh, you're totally normal, Marcus. Yeah. Absolutely. Everyone loves dirt and bones. And <laughs> totally when you digging. said, oh, I've already got so many raccoon penises. Yeah, that's but that's not my doing. I didn't <laughs> buy the raccoon penises. People are giving me yeah, the back. Some people throw things away that they're giving, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's the thing about on all fours, eating like a dog. I don't know if that was his own doing or if it was a request from his brother. Although I do, admittedly, I think it is. The, I think it's the former. I think he did do it because he liked it. He's a weird goat. He's yeah. just a weird guy. He's just a super weird guy. I think you were right with goat. Yeah, he might he's, a, a goat. he's a goat. Yeah. yeah. 
Now, once the idea started flowing, Taylor evolved out of Into Me See and started brainstorming an impact-inspired project called Transform America. We're transforming America! America. <laughs> which was based on what Justin called his 12 principles of magic. Number oh. one, always have coins. Number two, never kill a pigeon. Number three, <laughs> girls gotta be skinny if you want to cut her in half. A monocle as well, always have a monocle. And in these 12 principles, he swiped ideas from impact, like the idea of there being no right and wrong. But he also added certain caveats that could justify any future actions he might take, because it was obvious from these principles that his future plans required some big justifications. Oh, yes, very much so. It was a, it is a, a justification guide. Because it's all like, he will make sure that whatever he does is in the power of Christ. Mm -hmm. It's all this kind of bullshit. Yeah. We're like, no matter what he does, God willed it. Yeah, he proclaimed himself perfect so oh. he could do no wrong. His perceptions were deemed always correct. Isn't yeah. that something? And he decided that the only way to gain control was to lose control. Well, fantastic. This is, gonna, this is just wonder. It means that he is God. It but means I, he can do as much meth as he wants. That's what it means. Yeah. It's perfect. It's meth. Again, remember, all of this has got little sprinkles of meth You all can throughout. feel well, the meth. At this immediate point, this is he's ecstasy. not quite into meth yet. Oh, like, yeah. He, he's, he's seeing it around. He's wondering, what's that all about? What's that over there? Maybe I can check that out later. <laughs> you know, my brother thinks he's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps most important, though, was the principle that said that, quote, spirit knows everything, meaning that anything that came into his head could be seen as a revelation from God. Because remember, spirit talks to him. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Taylor was still in the sex game, and he began pushing Carrie into helping him build a new venture to fund Transform America called the Feline Club. Ugh. You fucking get it? You, <laughs> yeah. You assholes? I, I don't yeah. get it. I actually, what is it? The Feline Pussy Club? Pussy yep. Club. Is that what he's doing? He's yeah. making a pun? Yeah. I get it I now. mean, it was essentially a high-class escort service for rich men in the financial sector. Okay. This escort service, however, soon transformed into another truly harebrained scheme. And right here, this is when he starts doing meth. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And ecstasy at the same time. Fantastic. meth to see. Yeah. yeah. You know what you know it's like being unnaturally happy? Also being incredibly fast. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> the basic idea was that Taylor would get attractive young women to pose as sandwich delivery girls. Oh my so God. You already got my ear. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> Those sandwich delivery girls would deliver sandwiches to Taylor's old Morgan Stanley office. Now ask them if they want a hand job. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite yet. First, they would gain their trust. And then they would lure them back to the house for a hand job. For a, a hand, hand job? A hand job. I just want the sandwich. Yeah. Can I get the sandwich, please, man? Please. <laughs> Once the men were in a suitably compromising position, Taylor would photograph the stockbrokers with those sex workers and blackmail Morgan Stanley for $50 million. million. Just don't Ooh. mind me and you see him setting up the 1920s camera. <laughs> just to stay still, Sure, sure, sure. No, because it's going to blur. I need to see your face. Yeah. Well, it's because um, then he'd reveal... Hey, guess what? She's 14. <laughs> like, and then he would show her and she'd be like, have the braces back on. She'd be like, Tommy, I didn't know. Oh, and, no. But you know who did this? Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. He literally, so it's not that harebrained. No. It was real. Yeah, it was real. I think the harebrained part was the $50 million blackmail. Yes, that I was think the so. harebrained part. Oh, yeah. I think that the harebrained idea was that he could even get it together. Yeah. So Morgan Stanley is like, all right, we have two options. Well, we can pay him 50 million bucks or what if we normalize fucking teenagers? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's get to the radio. <laughs> By the way, he was willing to settle for twenty million. Whoa. His original plan, like we asked yeah, for fifty million, we get twenty million. Because that's you started fifty million. That's right. He's so smart. Million. Yeah. Well, to recruit possible sex workers, Taylor would go to raves and hand out true or false questionnaires to gauge the moral flexibility of potential minions in his far-fetched scheme. These questionnaires read, quote, Sex before marriage is wrong? True or false? I'm a powerful sexual person? True or false? Oh my god. I'm a religious person? Hmm? True or false? <laughs> I don't do drugs? True or false? <laughs> Lying is wrong? True or false? Come on. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Stealing is wrong? True or false? Bro, I gotta get to the bar, man. You are bumming <laughs> sure, me Sure, I out. have a pencil. Oh my lord. Now, not surprisingly, Taylor was not able to recruit a single woman successfully because no one goes to a rave to fill out a questionnaire. Unless you're getting free camels. <laughs> that is true. That's what he forgot. Oh, my God. I got so many fucking free camels from those ladies in Motor City. Oh, yeah. So many. Oh, yeah. You're the luckiest guy around, Marcus. I was. And they still <laughs> sent fucking, they still sent like literature to my family's home for years afterwards. I mean, for smoking. Years. I remember that. It only kills one in 10. That's it. <laughs> That's it. And Carrie was starting to realize that Taylor was nothing more than a parasite. And this actually threw a bit of a wrench into Taylor's plans. See, before Taylor even really got his ideas for Transform America together, because if there's one phrase that can be used in conjunction with Taylor Heltzer, it's jump the gun. Yeah. He figured he needed a core group of three people to help him out. His right hand man, of course would be Justin, and Taylor hoped Carrie would be the third. Well, that was a uh, uh, twist on a Mormon story, and Mormon old, I, did some, I, I forget what the term, it's not a psalm, it's something like that, mm -hmm. where Jesus chose three people to go with him to America. Ah. And so that's what his justification. That's where it comes from. However, soon after Carrie's Playboy spread was published, yeah. Playboy offered her a full contract. Whoa. So she moved to Peace. Los Angeles. <laughs> never, These cities are going places. <laughs> nice. Never once looked back at the almost cult she almost joined. Wow. Now she just has to go watch Hugh Hefner masturbate. Yeah. She dodged a massive bullet with not being a part of this cult. Oh, yeah. yeah. That. She was in a couple of videos. You no, know, like, shit. you know, Playmates unzipped. Oh, we, oh, do, we do the research. <laughs> oh, this isn't Lord. like other true crime podcasts. <laughs> That's right. We look at the tips. Oh, yeah. Unzipped. No, no, no. wow. I definitely made sure I had full understanding mm. of Carrie Furman. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. fascinating. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> this, there was, however, still the question of who, of who was going to be the third. And Taylor found the perfect mark in a 22-year-old former meth user named Don Godman, who had left meth behind after finding solace in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, it's quite possible that Justin and Taylor had realized that Carrie hadn't worked out because she didn't have the Mormon foundation. Mm. So they began trolling LDS singles functions beginning in 1998. It really is pointed because I didn't wow. think about that. Because at first I was like, how did they get Dawn? And then because then I realized like, oh, they met her at a singles show. I was like, oh, this is all they were doing. They were just going right. looking to see yeah, who's predators. the saddest one in the crowd. Yeah. And right. not only who's the saddest one in the crowd, who was going to approach them? It wow. was actually like he did have some clever ideas because he would show up i love this because he'd show up in full rave gear yeah. like literally like not dressed like a mormon at all like he has fucking like it's fake cool fucking yeah. dreads in and like fucking it's, it's like shiny pants on and then justin would be in full goth like yeah. black dressed like a fucking vampire and they just like <laughs> roll in being like what 
what are you going to do about it? We're a little different. And they did the head twist. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, this one was a murder mystery dinner. Uh, and Ooh. this one time they both showed up in all black because they're trying to go period. Yeah. yeah. They, both, they dressed as like 19th century preachers. Everyone else, by the way, just dressed like Mormons. Yeah, they were in full costume. <laughs> yeah. While everyone else laughed at the two obviously desperate dickheads and did their best to avoid them, Dawn was drawn to the pair because they looked like the meth heads she used to hang out with back when she was a meth head. She's okay. like, oh man, I used to be a meth head too. Maybe I can talk about meth with those guys. Well, They're geez. Mormons. They're not doing meth, well, but they look like meth heads. Dawn viewed herself as an outsider, mm -hmm. right? Because she said that she was never properly loved or paid attention to. And she saw these men, they were being mocked by the rest of the tribe and yes right? yes they might be stinky <laughs> and obviously begging for attention but I'll give them their attention because no one gave me anything and I'm going to reach your cross and be the Mormon land bridge oh. for you to walk across don't yeah. do it Don now Don wasn't made the third member immediately partly I think because Don was not what you'd call attractive because Taylor had just lost a literal Playboy model. I just don't know if you're Transform America material. Yeah, we kind of want to move a different direction. Yeah, Dawn wasn't particularly pretty. She was overweight. And as we'll soon see, she was a bit of a dullard. Okay. <laughs> she Honestly, just was. I mean, she, part I, she participated in the murder of five fucking people. That's why we can rag on her. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she showed up and she definitely, it's she was the dupe that needed to be there. Yeah. Okay. Just full on dud. I think is the best way to describe her. Yeah. So Taylor Heltzer continued trolling for possible recruits, not at Bay Area Raves. He learned his lesson there, but rather at church where he started holding informal study groups in the parking lot after service was over. This if I'm the pastor, I'm like, yo, brother, you got to get out of here. Dude, yeah. this is exactly what happened, is that he started hosting his own. He'd be like, yeah, you guys are at the Bible study. See you at the Bible study after the Bible study. Yeah, and then he'd like walk out to the fucking parking lot. This and be is like, Benny's Burger Joint. You can't sell burgers uh, right outside of it. Uh, yeah, well, maybe you don't understand America and freedom and the fact that I brought a grill. I paid for the parking lot. Um, uh, parking lots, uh, you can't own a parking lot because I watched Pocahontas. <laughs> well, Taylor told people that the LDS had wildly veered away from what Joseph Smith had originally taught, saying that listening to the church was like listening to the wrong radio station. Whenever uh, was evil and one of them was godly through so that they're both djs yeah Whoa. through that study group taylor began convincing interested women to attend harmony impact courses probably thinking if harmony impact breaks them down first i don't got to put in all the groundwork this is dj jesus christ here's another hit song it's the same one i always play the age of aquarius <laughs> <laughs> One of these women, a sometime follower named Kelly Lord, said that Taylor would often test her loyalty by asking such meth-inspired questions as, quote, Hey, if I asked you to rob this Carl's Jr. for me, would you be open to that? No, no, man. We can just, it's a I don't know if you transform America material. We're <laughs> no, gonna have to go. We can just buy it. It's We're like, just going to have to go. Oh, man. Kelly, however, saw right through Taylor, and when she told him that he'd end up like David Koresh if he wasn't careful, he tossed her aside, saying to her, like he said to anyone who disagreed with him, she wasn't on his level. You don't get it. You don't oh get me. Gosh. You don't get Transform America, so you don't get in. Sometimes mm -hmm. you don't get stuff because it's too stupid. Yep. No, mm -hmm. guess all. No way. Another woman who came close to joining Taylor's fledgling cult was Deborah McClanahan, who also knew Taylor and Justin from the LDS church. Now, at first, 
she was drawn to Taylor just like all the rest. And she would give both Taylor and Justin erotic massages oh. to completion. Oh. Now you also, talk about you her can't jerking. See it, but Marcus did do the jerk, jerk off, off motion. motion. Sure. Now, uh, yeah, because I don't know if you talk about jerk off or you talk about does she just massage them and then sit on their face <laughs> for 15 minutes? We just don't know. We really don't know. We don't know. It was to ejaculation. The, oh. the author mm. of the book did very explicitly say to ejaculation uh, to make and them the book ejaculate. Came with a little bit of calm. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> well, additionally, this woman, uh, Deborah McClanahan, she and future follower Don Godman, who we just mentioned, they had a threesome at Taylor's request with some dude they met at a bar called Catfish Charlie's. The romance <laughs> is in the air. And that apartment with the other two ass roommates just like wondering what the fuck they're doing, <laughs> sitting around being like, maybe we need to leave San Francisco. Uh, maybe like, not I'm not, us. I thought I was giving the Prima Barrel Arena. I guess I'm not because I'm 45 and I'm a Polish man. <laughs> and I guess we're all just going to have to go, huh? Like while they're all trying to play Smash Brothers while this cult is forming this in is, the living room. This yeah. was peak San Francisco right after the real world. They got a little rub from that. A lot of yeah. people thought San Fran was cool. Yeah, this was peak San Francisco, this was, 1997. Yeah. 1997. Mm, yum, 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 <laughs> not the 70s. But again, like most of the rest, the game didn't stick to Deborah, And she left Taylor to continue her life as both a Mormon and a witch. Whoa. She did both. Oh, okay. We contain multitudes. Absolutely. A war a Mormon. Mm-hmm. A Warman. A Warman. A, Warman. a yeah. witch. A Warman. Don Godman, however, had fallen for Taylor's shtick completely and attended Harmony meetings with Gusto. She said that her meeting was in a sealed off warehouse with no windows and people couldn't even go to the bathroom without permission. And even if they got permission, they had to go with one of the people in charge. Uh, well, joke's on you. I'm going to the bathroom right now. <laughs> and you just completed the program. Yes. You got the shortcut. Woo. Yep. The first day, she said, was constant verbal attacks perpetrated by a tall blonde man named Dion, who talked in the same authoritarian tone that Taylor often used when he wanted to convince someone to do something they didn't want to do. Hey, Don, guess what? You look like Louis Anderson now. Got you. Whoa. Okay, guys, come on. She's got a body like an orange, but not the personality. Come on, guys. Roast, roast mode. Roast mode. Gosh. You got gnome legs. <laughs> what? <laughs> you can't believe you said that to me <laughs> the goal don later said in a moment of clarity was to get her to a place with no fixed values a place where right and wrong didn't exist and when she got to that point she became a willing if disappointing number three guess we'll take her yeah it really was that yeah i mean he wanted the hot lady he wanted the manson girls you know he wanted the hot lady fucking cult sure and it's just a Dawn. Dog. Just Dawn. It's just a it's Dawn and his brother who eats like a dog. Yeah. And then Dawn, she like this is what we're saying. This is why it's just not an elite team. And Dawn, she was mostly pulled in, and this is true. She said it was because Taylor would hug her no matter how long and how far she wanted it. Yeah. She loved to be hugged. Okay. She'd never been hugged. She's just like, and you just wouldn't believe Taylor. He'd sit down on the couch with you, and he'd hug you for an hour. Well, and like, that's she obviously all she was wanted. never loved or anything. No, no. I mean, there bad. is the. I no, mean, it's sad. It is sad. But, I mean, there, this is the part where you're like, okay, like she she had a hard upbringing. But then she kills five people. Understand? But then she kills five people and dismembers three of them yeah. and uh, and tosses their uh, remains into a river delta. Uh, maybe they should have given her a hug. <laughs> hmm. We don't know that, but we'll get to it. I'm sure. Possible. We'll so possible. This is the only time when the free hugs people could have saved someone else. <laughs> I love that. You know, people offering free hugs, uh, it's always the people you don't want to hug. Don't touch me. Yeah. 
Well, eventually, Taylor began bringing Don in on the ideas that he had for schemes that would fund Transform America, even though he didn't really seem to have a good idea of what Transform America would actually be just yet. Okay. You don't get it, okay? <laughs> you're not with it. You okay. don't get me. We're transforming America. Yeah. Actually, well, here to listen. What do you think? What is it? America's like this. Well, what if it's like that? Like that. Okay, great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, his whole thing is like, we got to fund Transform America first. We got to get the money before we can really figure out what Transform America is really all about. Oh, fantastic. And this is truly an American flaw. Yeah. This is because he's obsessed with capital. He is obsessed with it. And he didn't even think about you need a fundamental system first yes. and then fund it. He, he mm -hmm. <laughs> One idea was to shoot out the windows in a bunch of fast food chains. Okay. Then when the stock dropped, like say you shoot out a bunch of Taco Bells and Taco Bell stock goes the down. The fucking stock falls down, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. No, listen. No, listen. And, we, and everybody's yeah. like, all the tacos, right? Everybody's like, there's a revolution against tacos in this country, right? Yeah. yeah. And then when the stock falls, you buy a bunch of it up. And then you stop shooting the windows out of all the Taco Bells. Stock goes back up. Yep. You sell it. You make a fucking mint, bro. Boom. Done. Can I just get a hug? <laughs> yes, Don. Huh. Yes. How <laughs> they just wrap a sweater around you real tight? That'll work. Well, this quite messy plan, like most of them, just never got off the ground. They never actually tried it. It was just one of many like no. spitballing ideas. Because wow, it it's fucking stupid. Yeah. This is Fight Club. This is Fight Club. Yes. Kinda. Well, meanwhile, Justin was keeping a journal of his goals for the year, which were just as vague as they were pathetic. Because remember, Justin also helped kill five people. Mm -hmm. Among others, his three main goals were, quote, Okay, number one, driver. Okay. It's the word driver with a question mark. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number two, a sexual lover. So he wants one of those. He wants a driver and a sexual lover. I'm going to one. I, oh. That's the thing. We don't know because don't know. Num number three does make a distinction. And number three, I want to become a druid. It doesn't even say I'm going to become a druid. It just says become, become a, a druid. druid. Oh. Become a druid. They're be very confusing because it's like driver? What, driver. what does that mean? Does he mean he wants a driver or he wants to be a driver? Does he not know wanna, how to drive? Well, it'd be kind of fun to like have like a, a driver. And honestly, when people don't understand when you read it. I mean, a golf club. It's <laughs> interesting. NASCAR was pretty hot in the 90s. Yeah. Mm. Number two, a sexual lover. I don't know if he wants a sexual lover or if he wants to be a sexual Maybe lover. He, he confessed uh, to Dawn that he did not have many partners yeah. in life. And he no, was not. He, he lived with his brother and kept on watching his brother have sex with a bunch of women. And he ate it's like a dog. Difficult. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a dog, a, a yeah. Dog. He yeah. didn't really have a thing. No, no. You know what I mean? By the year 2000, Taylor began to trust both Justin and Dawn enough to tell them his ideas for trans transform America, or more likely, he finally got his meth and ecstasy addled thoughts together enough to form a somewhat coherent idea. You guys are going to get this because you guys get me. Yeah. All right. He revealed that transform America would basically be a training course that the whole country would take. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Yep. And it would transform America. I get it. I and got transforming it. America. And in order for this to work, however... Taylor would need to first install himself as the head of the Mormon church. Of course. Oh, but that's like a huge thing. Uh, details. It's like my, my like main thing is to, detail. my main thing is like how I know I'm going to make it in show business is I'm going to become Lord Michaels. Yeah. But, I'm just going to go. Lord, Lord Michaels is alive. And so I'm going to go, go get him. And I'm going to go get him. I'm going to become him. I'm going to be that. I'm going to do him. This is, this is the same idea as like when your mom asks you like, Henry, have you ever thought about being on Broadway? Why aren't you ever? in those television shows. <laughs> this is what she hit me with last time I visited. She's like, I don't well, understand. I saw that one show. Why aren't you on that show? Yeah. Why aren't you on Young Sheldon? I That's don't her know. <laughs> I actually did audition for Young Sheldon. Did you get it? 
Not yeah, yet. I've been there for fucking years. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I'm the main character. Yeah, I play Cum Lord. <laughs> it's incredible. I milk Young Sheldon. It's about a, the whole show. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's about a, a Young Sheldon's relationship with an older man. Oh, I didn't realize <laughs> yeah, that. That's incredible. why it becomes such a sociopath. The brave show. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, wait, this is this is what I'm talking about with like big signposts but no connective tissue. Right. Where it's like number one, I become head of the Mormon Boom. Church. Number two, I transform America through a series of training videos. Fantastic. Number three, Jesus Christ comes back boom all the rest is details bro boom, 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 even boom, billy boom. blanks had a better business model than this mm -hmm. this plan however which did not yet have any shape or form would take a lot of money has to okay yeah. gotta have a lot of money which is the worst of all money. it's the worst of all things he knows that that he's gonna need a lot of money for this okay quite possibly he also needs we might have to kill some people maybe okay i don't know hey, I, don't gonna, know. Well, I don't know but, but are you willing to go far enough do it yeah can i get a hug yeah <laughs> Dawn, not right now, okay? <laughs> That's not great. All right, all right, all right. I'll see all of this as I'm hugging you, Dawn. Thank yeah. you. God, you're hot. You're physically hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, a, a warm presence. Yes, yes, I am. A warm woman. That's, that's, I'm currently going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the harmony training out, really. Uh -huh. It really took hold. Well, at first, like Taylor soft pedaled the idea of murder. Just we at first. Don't got, we know maybe murder, murder, murder. Yeah. Maybe you could just, uh, maybe we could sink them. Yeah. Maybe we can get them We're wet. We're just going to sink people. You know, you know what we'll do? Shoot them with a little, uh, little squirt gun. Shoot Every time they do something naughty, we'll send them with a squirt gun. Okay. <laughs> well, he told Justin and Don that killing was acceptable to God on oh, certain occasions. It is. Because even the Bible and the Book of Mormon. Featured God murdering people when the situation called for it. And even sometimes told someone to murder someone else. Got sure. to. Got you, to. Delegation. I, mm -hmm. I guess so. And Obama when, killed millions. Yeah. <laughs> and when stuff. What? Millions? Millions. <laughs> millions. You can just say anything. Yeah. You really can just I say anything. I have a anything. microphone in my hand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and once Don and Justin agreed that murder was indeed acceptable because there was no such thing as right and wrong, only results. Okay. Taylor's mini cult spun out of control. M possibly fast and it's with the cults resulting five murders oh my god we'll continue our story next week and you can't even Ugh. imagine how fucking stupid their reasoning is for killing these five people oh. somehow it just gets dumber yeah wow. but with the dumb comes absolute brutality as well. That so, is the worst. Well, and that's bad. the last podcast. That's the last podcast promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. So gold star on the next episode. Thank you all well, so much. I wouldn't much say for gold star, but it is brutal. Yeah, they don't hack off dicks anymore. Yeah. After doing like Randy Craft, you start to understand like there really is a bridge. There, there's a there's a barrier to what truly is a gold star. Like okay. mm -hmm. I would just say that it's just it's a lot of murder for dawn. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's because it's Dawn doing it. You're right. like, well, this is a lot. Yeah. And Absolutely. it's a lot of hammers. A lot of hammers. Well, it sounds like it might be a gold star episode. Then. I mean, yeah. unless you're Bob Vila and that's how you wanted it. <laughs> you remember? Oh, right. Everyone. Well, that he got beat to death by hammers. That's yeah, how he died. Yeah. Course, I, remember, I, we, I remember that. Yeah. You would love that. Yeah. This old house that I'm buried under. Um, <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. That's uh, just a little insight into Children of Thunder for being such a dipshitty cult. They have a really cool name. It's a cool name, um, yeah. It comes but, from uh, the, a Bible verse like the Sons of Thunder. Okay. Um, all right, everyone. Sons well, of Thunder you. is actually better than Children of Thunder. Yeah, it is. But yeah, yeah but he wanted but you gotta, but you gotta, Don, you can't be, you gotta be children. Yeah. 
Yeah, of course. Because then oh, that right, makes everyone. you all like, yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you, you can't wanna, be you like. Wanna get the, you wouldn't want to get that wrong. Yeah, no. you can't uh, be like the Thunder Boys. Thunder Boys! <laughs> <laughs> Again, Thunder Down Under, check it out in Las Vegas. Mail review. They're all Australian, and my God, are they packing. All right, well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, we got Soul Plumber out there. <laughs> yep, last yeah. All six, all six issues are out. <laughs> all, all six issues. Uh, Marcus No Dog says the replacements they're yeah. covering. Replacements Part 2 is out now. Absolutely. We're covering all the things you need to know about politics on Top Hat. And then we have work. Spun. Busy Brand new. Beavers. Season 2 is back out there someplace underneath. It is out there. Check they are coming. Out. A very compelling case right now. I'm really excited. Honestly, and they, they did great work. Absolutely. And I've already seen a couple of the series coming up. And they, they are really doing good work. I can't wait. Awesome. And uh, yeah, thanks to everyone who's listening to our serious shows. It's every Monday at 4 p.m. PST and 7 p.m. EST. That's been so fun. So thanks for ever calling in. And uh, yeah, just keep on following all the things we do. And uh, we had a fantastic time in Boston. We yeah. better have. Absolutely. We fucking better have. We better have. <laughs> we'll see you on the road soon. Okay, everyone. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. No game. Magustalations. Hail me. Give someone a hug. Hey, um, don't kill oh, five people. Yeah, hugs can be good. Yeah, hugging more hugs, I guess. Stop being like a dog. Really, maybe we shouldn't. Maybe not. Maybe more hugs isn't the message. Well, I think if you don't kill five people afterwards, it's fine. Yeah. And Marcus, don't eat like a dog. Marcus, it's, would you dog. kill for me? I kill for you? Yeah. Like if you asked me to? Yeah. Absolutely not. <sighs> Whatever, bro. Who do you want to kill? <laughs> not even. I'll I tell mean, you later. <laughs> <laughs> This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors, you can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. This is Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast, the promo, and in 30 seconds, I'm going to tell you why you should check out the show. I, the host, Scott Aukerman, have a lighthearted conversation with famous celebrities like John Hamm, Allison Williams, Phoebe Bridgers, Bob Odenkirk, just to name a few. Things go a little off the rails when different eccentric characters drop by to be interviewed as well. Each week is a blend of conversations and character work from your favorite comedians as well as some new hilarious voices. Comedy Bang Bang, the podcast. Podcast. Listen every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. You ever meet someone who seems kind of off? Whether it's a creepy neighbor or random phone number that keeps calling you, Truthfinder has you covered. You can search for people by name, address, phone number, email, and more. Truthfinder can be especially helpful for running confidential background checks on anyone you're planning to meet from online dating apps. Go to truthfinder.com slash podcasts for a special offer. That's truthfinder.com slash podcasts to access your special offer today.